WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Desperate race to evacuate Americans and others from Sudan amid a fragile ceasefire. The second U.S. convoy just arriving at the port of Sudan. The country is now plunging dangerously close to a full-fledged civil war. A second U.S. convoy arriving in Port Sudan to help Americans flee. As fierce fighting continues between two rival military factions. The State Department confirming that nearly 1,000 U.S. citizens have already been evacuated. Eric Adams is turning to a tiny piece of technology to deter and hopefully even to catch some car thieves. And he is asking some New York City residents to give them a spin for free. 500 air tags the city is giving away across the South Bronx in the hopes of deterring and catching car thieves. The aggravating number of grand larceny order continues to drive up uh, our crime in the city. It gives gives the false sense that we're not moving in the right directions when we are. The bill Republicans passed on the debt limit is basically dead on arrival in the Senate. What's your reaction? President Biden is clearly trying to run out the clock and create a debt crisis. That's irresponsible. Republicans at least said if the president's going to sit this one out, we're not. We're going to lead. We passed a bill to address the problem. It's time now for the president to get in this game, get off the sidelines, and let's start negotiating and figuring this out, not in June when we get to the midnight hour, but today. Rangers, the bandit jab roofed it. Now Kreider behind the net. Fires a bandit jab and he scores. Mika's a bandit jab. And it's 2-1. Aaron into the circle. Backhands it for Schneider. Hit some bodies out in front. Schneider hasn't scored since early January. Mikola. Schneider again. Scores! <laughs> right on cue. Everybody breaking some droughts for the Blue Shirts tonight. Staying alive, that is the theme for the New York Hockey Blue Shirts, my New York Rangers, proudly wearing my beautiful New York Rangers sweatshirt, which I purchased. Actually, I bought this sweatshirt the night that Patrick Kane debuted for the Rangers. Sat on the ice that night with Pete Morgan and my son Gabriel. And, of course, there's a game seven tonight. Rangers get that big win on Saturday night, 5-2, to two, to force a game seven. The Rangers scored five goals so far in all three wins. They won game one, five to one. They won game two, five to one. They won game six, five to two. So five seems to be the lucky number for the Rangers. Devils, they won three straight. It all comes down to tonight. I looked outside just now and I couldn't believe I actually see blue sky. 
can't believe it, but I'm seeing blue sky. What a miserable weekend. I mean, miserable. Now, I had a nice weekend because my princess, my little girl who's now 19, Ava's home. She arrived late Saturday night, about the third period of the Ranger win over the Devils, coming in from Newark Airport from London. And she arrived in the rain, and she complained and said, Ava, what are you complaining about? All it does where you live, Wales and London, is rain. And that's not really true. It's funny. I, I visited my daughter, you know, once, but I've been to London, I don't know, five or six times over the last three or four years. Hasn't rained once. <laughs> not once. Then again, I've been to Seattle a couple of times. Kirkland, uh, where else? Uh, there's another little area just outside. Oh, Sahala, Washington. And it was sunny then, too. So, But she landed uh, in the rain on Saturday night, and she couldn't wait to get home. And she missed me, Danielle, and Gabe so much that she was home for one hour and met her friends at a nightclub in New York City. <laughs> and then she missed us so much. She actually did, but she spent the whole day with her mom yesterday. And then last night, she was out again. So I'm hoping one of these nights Ava stays home. But it was nice walking out of the apartment this morning because, again, it's it's not a very big apartment. Two bedrooms, one and a half bath, really. And now you've got four people in there. Gabe has his own room. His door is shut. Me and Danielle have our own room. The door was shut. And Ava now is reduced to sleeping on the sleeper, the coucher, in the uh, living room, the family room. So i got to walk right past her to exit the apartment at 4.30 in the morning. But uh, it was quiet, didn't wake her, and it was nice the last couple of days to have all four Rosenbergs, Danielle, Sydney, Ava, and Gabriel in the apartment. And it'll be that way now till we get home, which hopefully will be around Memorial Day weekend and Ava doesn't go back to college now until September. Because he's home for like four months. And she ready to party, my daughter. She did very, very, very well year one in college. I mean, really well. In fact, uh, for all the freshmen at her university, Cardiff and Wales, she was at the very top academically. Very top. So she did great. Did her job, if you will. But now I think she expects to come home and party for four months. And Danielle laid down the law yesterday and said, no, no, no. You're getting a job at some point. Some point. Last summer, she got a gig, uh, you know the place, at Claudette's on uh, 129. No, no, 116. Yeah. Claudette's next to my buddy John's bio bar. She did that for a couple of weeks. And, you know, she didn't want to do it anymore. No, that's it. Party. I want to go to the beach and hang out and party. party yeah. <laughs> Live on the beach. <laughs> yeah. She's got, like, all of her London girlfriends coming and staying by me all June, all July. This friend's coming, that friend's coming, uh, like, at least four different weekends. And then Gaby gets all jealous. You're by the water. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How lovely is this? <laughs> and they're all so wealthy. They all have, like, castles. Like, they live in an apartment uh, in Belgravia, which is very close to Buckingham Palace, and they've got, like, these summer homes that are like castles. Talking about Buckingham Palace, big weekend coming up for them because Saturday is actually the King's coronation, which means Nigel Farage has to come back on Friday. But uh, almost 70 years to the day where Charles's mother, Elizabeth, had her coronation, King Charles' coronation coming up on Saturday. And, of course, 
the big story, which we're hearing over and over and over again, is that Prince Harry will be there, but not Meghan. And the excuse they're using, we know the real deal, everybody hates her. Everybody hates her. Charles, his uh, horrible-looking wife, Camilla, God, is she ugly. She can haunt the three-family house. And even William and Kate don't like her. But the excuse they're using is, is it's Archie's birthday. You know, their firstborn, the little boy Archie. I think he turns four, not sure. Either way, Harry coming alone, that's the big story. So we'll cover that later on in the week. So Ava's home. Tonight we got a huge game seven, Rangers and Devils. And uh, it's funny because to my left, as you guys know already, I've said this many, many times, is the newsroom. Noam is sitting there right now, and right above Noam's head are three large screen televisions. And we keep the TVs on the same channels every day. To the very far left, for example, is CNN. Their story, 200 officers searching for Texas gunmen accused of killing five neighbors. You know that story. The guy was firing his gun in the backyard. The neighbor said, hey, do me a favor. I put the baby to sleep. The baby's one year old. Could you stop? And then the guy came next door and killed everybody. <laughs> America is a lovely place. That's CNN. Then the middle one has MSNBC. Same story. The suspect in a Texas mass shooting is accused of killing five neighbors, including a nine-year-old boy. And to the far right, some lady is giving me the weather on New York 1, which will hit 70-plus degrees in like six days. But when we started the show at 6 o'clock, the middle screen MSNBC, they weren't talking about Joe Biden. They weren't talking about Donald Trump. They weren't talking about Eric Adams, Nikki Haley, or Vivek on Chuck Todd yesterday. No, Lewis, get ready. Instead, MSNBC, five of them. You had Joe Scarborough and Mike Barnacle. Five of them were talking about this improbable result in a game seven of the NHL playoffs. Not the Rangers and Devils. They don't play game seven until tonight. But this one in the fine city of Boston, Massachusetts. Lewis, this is cut number 16. Reinhardt keeps it moving. Montour holds it down. Played for Kachuk. Back to the goal. Kachuk, far side for Hagee. To the top, Barkov. Barkov, put it in. The score! Brandon Montour! He snuck it short side on Swayman. And in the final minute, the Panthers have tied game seven. First one to it, Kachuk. Hit by Carlo. Puck pops in the air, lands behind the net, right in the side of the goal. They chop away at it. Kachuk keeping it alive. Carlo can't grab it. It comes to Verhage. Turns, shoots, scores! Carter Verhage! And the Panthers have eliminated the Boston Bruins! Record-setting season for the Boston Bruins. No one has ever in the history of the NHL won 65 regular season games. The Bruins did it this year. No one has ever reached 135 points in a regular season. The Bruins did it this year. And as Hawk Harrelson would say, they go. History. See ya. And the beauty about the Panthers is, you guys know this story, the guy that owns the Florida Panthers, he's worth about $3.3 billion. But he made all his money right here in New York City with a company called Virtue. And his name is Vinny Viola. In fact, years ago, Donald Trump, when he was president, asked my friend Vinny to be secretary of the Army, which Vinny eventually said no to. 
But Vinny bought the Florida Panthers about 10 years ago, back in 2013, from a guy named Cliff Viner when I was living down in Florida. Vinny was a Ranger fan his whole life. But he has a lot of money, again, worth somewhere between 3 and $4 billion, and he wanted to own a real sports team. And he spent a lot of time, him and his partner, Doug Sipu, in South Florida. So when the Panthers became available, Vinny Viola, who was the king of Williamsburg, I know I called Joey that, but Vinny Viola, the king of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, bought the Panthers. So many years ago, he, uh, he invited me and Danielle to the Lexus Club in Sunrise, and I met him, and he said, Sid, I want you to know I am a huge fan of yours from your days at WFAN. Lived in New York my whole life, big Ranger fan. I think you're great. And at the time, I was living in Boca Raton doing sports talk radio in Florida. And we came to a deal, me and Vinny and Doug, uh, because I did know hockey, love hockey, that we would do like a Florida Panther spot every week. They had announcers, Steve Goldstein, Randy Moeller, those guys. And I was really the only guy in South Florida that knew anything about hockey. Every other guy down there was a former Miami Dolphin player. They knew nothing about hockey, nothing. So they loved the fact there was a New York guy talking hockey living in South Florida, and I started showing up in Sunrise at Florida Panther games a lot, me and Danielle. So one night, Danielle and I are there, and Vinny walks over the owner, and he says, uh, listen, uh, Danielle, <laughs> he had a set of balls. He goes, I'm taking your husband to New York. And you know Danielle, Lou, she's like, excuse me? She met him like two or three times at that point. They were hardly close. She goes, excuse me? He said, yeah, I'm taking your husband, Sydney, to New York. We've got a road trip coming up. We play all three New York teams, the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders. I'm going to put Sid on the team jet and take him to New York. And she said, no, you're not. Who are you? What is <laughs> a Viola? What are you, nuts? Who no. are you? What, you're no. taking my husband to New York. This is years ago before she trusted me just a little, you know. So somehow or another, it was Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl weekend, somehow or another, Vinny Viola convinced my beautiful wife, Danielle, to let me go. <laughs> the next thing you know, here I am at this, like, business airport, Lewis, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, hopping on a plane with the Florida Panthers. You know the funny part about that story? I sat next to the coach, and at that time, when I was on that plane, this has to go back like eight years ago, the coach of the Panthers is the same guy that will be behind the Ranger bench tonight, Gerard Gallant. He was the coach of the Panthers back then. He went from Florida to the Vegas Golden Knights to the Rangers. So I sat next to Gallant on the Florida Panther flight to New York, and sure enough, there I am, staying at a beautiful hotel room in Jersey City, went to the Panthers and the Devils game, I did not go to the Panthers, Rangers, and Islanders because they were Sunday and Monday on Super Bowl weekend, but I did fly there with the team, and the whole big deal was that Friday night, the day before the Devils game on Saturday, Vinny wanted to take the hockey team to his favorite restaurant in all of New York, and it is Bomonti's, the oldest Italian restaurant in New York, in Brooklyn. Everybody loves Bomonti's, and sure enough, we went to Bomonti's for dinner on Friday night. Everybody ate and drank like it was their last supper, like Jesus. And the next day we got shut out. We, the Panthers, got shut out by the Devils 2 nothing. And I said, Vinny, 
Maybe you want to think twice about a big dinner with beers and food the night before a big hockey game. But nevertheless, <laughs> hello. yeah, Vinny and I became really, really close, me, Vinny, and Doug Sifu. And now his Florida Panthers just pulled off the biggest upset in the history of team sports. Now, we're not talking one game, right? The United States beat the Russians. That was huge. The Jets beat the Baltimore Colts, Joe Namath, Super Bowl three. That was huge. We're talking about four wins. The Panthers had to beat the Bruins four times, which they did. So my man, Vinny Viola, I spoke to him about uh, midnight last night. I didn't sleep. And he's going to join us at 9.05 this morning. That's kind of cool. Congratulations to them. Right? Yep. Brooklyn guy worth billions and billions of dollars, buys the Florida Panthers 10 years ago, and his team just beat the Boston Bruins. Regular season means nothing. It really doesn't. It means nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't. A lot of these NBA, too. Look at some of these series. The Lakers, they were the underdog in their series. They moved on. The um, Certainly the Knicks were the underdog. They moved on. The Heat, now Giannis got hurt, but they were the underdog. They moved on. Look at all these series. I mean. What a game Steph Curry had last yesterday. Oh, amazing. He's two in a row. He is in the top, he is one of the most unbelievable players. Oh, absolutely a top ten player all the time. Still, he just completely took over the game. So we're all set with all of our next round of playoffs. The Heat, of course, already beat the Knickerbockers at the Garden yesterday. The Knicks blew a 14-point lead. The Heat win by seven. So that series has Miami ahead of our Knicks, one game to nothing. Philly and Boston, they start the other Eastern Conference series in Boston later on tonight. Out west, the Denver Nuggets are up one nothing on the Phoenix Suns. They'll play game two of that series tonight. And the Lakers at the Warriors start their series tomorrow. Hockey, Rangers, and Devils, game seven from New Jersey later on tonight. The winner takes on the Carolina Hurricanes. The Panthers right back at it in Toronto for Austin Matthews and John Tavares and the Maple Leafs. That starts tomorrow out west. Game one, the Kraken. And the Dallas Stars, that's tomorrow. And the other series has the Edmonton Oilers at the Vegas Golden Knights. And that series starts on Wednesday. So, busy show today, as always, on a Monday. We'll talk to Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05, a long weekend of politics. We'll talk to the editor of the National Review, always a great Monday morning guest, Rich Lowry. He's coming up at 7.40. We'll do some nuggets with Gnome coming up at 8.25. Audie Idala, Joe Tacopina back in court today for President Trump as that rape slash defamation trial continues. We'll talk to Arthur Idala coming up at 840. And once again, Mr. Virtue, Mr. Brooklyn, Mr. Williamsburg, Mr. Vermontes, the owner of the Florida Panthers, my friend Vinny Viola, coming up at 905. As always, the number 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222 going to be a big-time Monday morning show with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close, try and understand. Desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe. Love is a banquet on which we feed. Patty Smith. Was it Smith? I always get confused, Louis. Cheese Smith. Cheese Smith. This is a great song because the night, written, of course, by Bruce Springsteen. I did see that uh, Bruce performed a couple of nights ago, my man Bruce, and he brought the uh, racist First Lady Michelle Obama up on stage, much like uh, Courtney Cox, the great Courtney Cox from Friends, started her career. She was noticed after jumping on stage and Dancing in the Dark video with Bruce Springsteen. Well, this lady's already been noticed. She's married to Barack Michelle Obama. But she jumped on stage with Bruce and sang Glory Days. But the issue was oh, no. she didn't know the words. Oh, she didn't know any of the words. It was so humiliating and stupid. Like, Bruce is such a Democrat liberal suck-up, and that's why a lot of my audience hates him. I don't care. I couldn't care less. He's, he's the best rock and roll artist ever, in my opinion. But he does, this is where people get annoyed with him. He brings Michelle Obama on stage. Didn't even know the damn words. The glory days. It's not like, not like they picked, like, uh, you know, Cain and Abel or yeah, something. Or jungle Land or <laughs> yeah. Thunder Road. I mean, come on. <laughs> Michelle Obama. God. What a disaster, no? An absolute disgrace. Oh, disgrace. Bro. That was a disgrace. That would be a Joe Beningo disgrace right there. Disgrace. How do you bring her on stage? <laughs> How? How is that possible? Oh. <laughs> and let me tell you something about tonight. Let's get. Let's show up. <laughs> let's show. I don't want to hear uh, ankle uh, tweak. Just the, be there. Just be there. End it now. End it tonight. And like let's, middle of the second period, let's have the game over so we're cruising. Let's hope. Man, let's hope. I'm nervous. I, I'm not going to pick a winner or a loser. I'm not doing any of that. I had the uh, three-way text, of course, Saturday night, as I do every Ranger game with Joe Tacopina and Pete Morgan. Joe a little busy this morning. Again, he is back in court with Eugene Carroll. 
this rape-slash-defamation allegation against the president, Donald Trump. The countdown is now nine, folks. Nine days from today, President Trump will be on with me right here coming up next Wednesday, May the 10th, 8.05 a.m. President Trump with me next Wednesday, 8.05 a.m., nine days away. So Takapina back in court today before this big game tonight. But, uh, you know, they Pete and uh, Joe, they do all the all the sports talk stuff that uh, makes me crazy, you know. Like, the kid is getting killed on Saturday, the goalie Schmidt for the Devils. The Rangers got to the point where every time they shot the puck, they scored. So you knew the kid was done. It was 5-1, to one, like six minutes left. So Lindy Ruff goes, get him out of the game. It's enough. Six minutes left. You didn't pull him in the first period. You didn't pull him in the second period. So, of course, what do you get? Oh, what a huge mistake. Oh, they sh- the kid's confidence is shot. Not the fact that the kid gave up five goals after basically shutting down the Rangers for three games. That didn't destroy his confidence. The fact that the coach pulled him with six minutes left, now the kid's shot. I mean, that's why I'm out of sports talk radio. Or every time there's a penalty, oh, that's a terrible call. They're giving the game. Joe Nolan pulled that. The referees <laughs> gave the game. I mean, how stupid. I couldn't stand that stuff. I hated it. I never do that. So I blast Pete Morgan. Um, that's the worst call. Who cares? Most of the time, these penalties even out. Most of the time. The truth is, the worst call on Saturday was a power play for the Devils, not against. But these sports fans, they all do the same thing. And I hated it. I hated Monday mornings. Oh, you know, the uh, like the, uh, the 49er game against the Eagles. I actually have friends who are 49er fans dating back to the days of Joe Montana. So when the game starts and Hurts throws that touchdown to Devontae Smith, clearly Devontae dropped the football, clearly. And the 49er coach, Shanahan, never asked for a review. He lost the game. The fact the Eagles destroyed them the rest of the way, knocked out two quarterbacks, two of them, no, 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 the coach caused the game. That's why I'm not doing sports talk radio anymore. I heard. Right? I heard heard a caller, and this is unbelievable. They're still doing this. I heard a caller talking about the Yankees. And going, still going back to George Steinbrenner. Like, uh, here's the here's the difference between George and his son right now. Yeah. George Steinbrenner has been dead for twelve Forever. years. Of course. I mean, it's not, they're not run by him no. anymore. It's no different than than, than Joe Biden blaming Donald Trump. Donald Trump hasn't been on Pennsylvania Avenue in two plus years. <laughs> but you're right, George is dead for like twenty years, and oh, George would have done it this way. George, who cares? Even the last five years, he was alive. No, he oh, wasn't doing stupid. anything. Yeah, they, were, they were wheeling stupid. him around in a golf cart. Right. Still talk about the comparison because because the Yankees aren't playing well. Well, <laughs> yeah, right now he would have had two more pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just well, the Yankees are in trouble, though. I mean, part of the reason why is Tampa Bay. I mean, the Rays are 23-6. and six. They started the season 13-0. and 0. They've gone 10-6 and six since. They're 23-6. and six. The Yankees are 15-14. and 14. By the way, that's good enough for a tie for last place with the Boston Red Sox. Today is May the 1st, and the Yankees are eight games back. Yeah. May 1, eight games back. I say this all the time. I'm like, at any point in the season, if you go back 10 games, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be really hard to get back into yeah. it. And the Mets are up 15 and 12, not much better. They're three back of the Atlanta Braves, and they play the Braves twice today in Queens, a single admission doubleheader. Mets and Braves coming up today, but of course, nobody's talking about baseball. Nobody's talking about the Mets or the Yankees because the Knicks are in the second round of the playoffs. The Devils and Rangers have a game seven tonight. 
We just had the NFL draft a couple of days ago, and people are still breaking down how the Jets and Giants did. So no one's paying attention to the Mets and the Yankees. But the two of them combined right now have a record of 30 wins and 26 losses. Not very good. Not very good. All right, traffic is coming up next with the aforementioned Joe Nolan. Again, two great guests coming up next hour, Curtis Sliwa and Rich Lowry. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to my man, great show, John Katsimatidis. It's the Cats Roundtable with John, where common sense prevails. Comes your way every Sunday morning at 8. They do tell both sides of the story. You can also listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here John talks with our buddy, former Governor David Patterson. Is the common sense Democrat standing up to be counted? Well, I was a little surprised this week. Not that President Joe Biden wants to run for re-election. I think everyone knew that. But it was the way he did it. Now, I think if you're 80 years old and you want to show people that you're vibrant, you have energy, and you have passion for the job, you don't tape the announcement. You tape commercials. You don't tape announcements which should be live in front of people and should be interactive. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Well, Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, not the start the Knicks were looking for in their Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Miami Heat. Losing 108-101 to in the opener yesterday at the Garden. 25-26, and 26, respectively, from Brunson and Barrett. Not enough to slow down Jimmy Butler's 25 that led a red-hot Heat squad to the Game 1 road win. Jalen Brunson... He did speak following the game on what separated Miami from the Knicks. He took accountability for his uh, poor play on the court, although he did register 25 points on the night. New York was without star forward Julius Randle, who they hope to get back from that sprained left ankle in time for Game 2. Come tomorrow night at the Garden on the Diamond. They're going to be tough, man. They play really good defense. They really do. This is a time of year for Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. Yeah, and there's, and there's nothing like running into a red-hot basketball team in the no. second round of the playoffs. I mean, it's not selling the short, uh, selling the Knicks' performance short in round one, but uh, you're going to have to step it up here in game two. So that'll be tomorrow night at the Garden. On the Diamond in Arlington, the Yanks dropped their third straight to the Texas Rangers, getting walloped in the series finale by a score of 15-2. to It's just not a good baseball team right now. Nestor Cortez barely had any time to settle in before a first-inning grand slam off the bat of Josh Jung put the Yankees in a hole they were ultimately never able to climb out of. Cortez ended up toughing out four and two-thirds on the bump, while the offense in large part took the day off in failing to muster up any sustained rallies. And now, as previously mentioned, at 15-14 and 14 overall and eight games back of the first-place Raves of Bombers currently share last place in the East with the Red Sox. Not necessarily the ideal start for Yankees fans. New York will try and right the ship at home in the Bronx where they'll welcome in the Cleveland Guardians tonight at 7.05 p.m. for game one of a three-game set. Domingo Herman will get the ball going up against Cleveland's Cal Quantrill. As for the Mets, due to the postponement yesterday, they'll indulge in a doubleheader today to finish out the series with the Atlanta Braves. First pitch for game one is set for 1.10 p.m. in the afternoon with Denny Reyes getting the start against Atlanta's Spencer Strider. Tyler McGill taking the hill in game two against Atlanta's Charlie Morton and, of course, in Newark Rangers and Devils game seven tonight. 8 p.m. Eastern time. Puck drop. We'll see who gets to move on into the second round, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a 
$10,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. It's funny how sometimes songs remind you of movies. I spoke a couple of days ago to my friend Jill Vitale, Flirty Flipper. I love her. And um, she was a really good producer for me and Bernard. Really good. Now she's like a TikTok star. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. She does videos of like her daughters and I don't know what she does. Not much, but it's working. (laughs) And she's really funny too, Jill. Very funny. So she thought that song by Blue Oyster Cult that uh, Will Ferrell used in one of his movies was written for the movie. And I, and I told her time and time again, moron, no, that song was there before. Just like this great song, Sister Christian by Night Ranger. They didn't write that song for Boogie Nights. But you remember the scene when Mark Wahlberg and his buddies go to buy drugs from that maniac in his robe. He's throwing the firecrackers all over the room, and this song is playing in the background. It's one of the greatest scenes you'll ever see. All this weird Asian kid. Oh, my. Yes. That's what was going on. (laughs) That was one of Wahlberg's buddies, right? The weird Asian kid. Um, I think so. No, he well, was, no, was the, he the guy? He wasn't the guy in the robe. No, it was the no. The guy in the robe was the dealer. He was the dealer, right? This who was, was the Asian kid? Was that his buddy? It was just a friend of his who didn't right, talk, right? Throwing the things, yeah. and then, <laughs> then he starts yelling at them about the tape he's playing. Oh my God! Remember that? And he goes, you know, I don't like the order. <laughs> Sometimes they they make me listen to the songs, so I make my own. <laughs> That's why this is going to be first. This one, this song, is going to go. I don't like being told when to listen to a song. And he starts getting crazy. Yes, and the firecrackers and the song's getting louder. It's just an unbelievable scene. It's, it's yeah. tension-filled. Oh, great. Mark Wahlberg is great. Is great. <laughs> so uh, that's, a, that's a terrific tune. Thank you for that, Louis. So I get a text. I'm having dinner last night with my beautiful wife, Danielle, at uh, PJ Clark's. So we live in, in, in Battery Park these days. And it was raining so hard that we didn't want to go anywhere. Just don't want to go anywhere. 
So the beauty is we live about 50 feet from Brookfield Place, which is the mall, of course, right down by the Freedom Tower, formerly the World Trade Center. By the way, talking about the World Trade Center, did you see yesterday during the Knicks and Heat game? So what they do is the networks, they provide a picture of the city where the game is being played, right? You'll see like a Dolphin game, and they go to commercial break, and you'll see people on the beach in South Beach, right? Or the Dodgers will be playing, and you'll see people in Santa Monica. Well, at one point yesterday, they went to a commercial, or they started this segment, I forget which one, between the Knicks and the Heat, and the picture had the World Trade Center in it. They actually made a mistake and used an old stock photo of the Twin Towers. Is that unbelievable, Lou? This is Channel 7. This is WABC. This isn't college TV. How did that, how would they even have it? I don't know. But there it was, the two Twin Towers during a Nick Heat game. Long gone. Long gone. They must have misplaced the picture of the Hindenburg blowing up. (laughs) 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 Okay, now the Knicks Uh, are up by five. (laughs) Well, they're getting killed today, ABC, for that. It's in all the papers in the New York Post. But So right by the Freedom Tower, we go eat at this uh, P.J. Clark's, which is in Brookfield Place. And I get a text from Lydia. You remember Lydia, right? She goes, what's up with your friend Todd? So I'm thinking to myself, my friend Todd, Todd Shapiro, Todd who? Who's my friend Todd? So she was talking about Chuck Todd, who I've told you guys time and time again is a friend of mine. But but don't confuse the issue. I can't stand his politics. I can't watch him on television because he is the most biased, agenda-driven host on TV. And he has the nerve, and I love the guy, he has the nerve to come on this show, as he's done many times, and portray himself as somebody down the middle. He's done it many times. Now, look, I didn't like the way Bernie treated him. God rest his soul, my dear partner. And I still liked having Chuck on the show because I like it when people expose themselves. And every once in a while, it's good to hear an opposing view. And Bernie couldn't control himself, so Chuck stopped coming on. I didn't like that. But, but in Bernie's defense, this guy is full of it. So I get a text from Lydia, and she goes, what's up with your buddy Todd? She didn't know at the time. I'd already seen Meet the Press. I knew what she was talking about. So this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's the guy responsible, they say, for the firing of Don Lemon at CNN. Right? He had the back and forth with Lemon. Lemon said, uh, don't talk to me about being a black man. You're not a black man. All that racial, uh, racist nonsense, which finally got Don Lemon fired, thank God. But he's also a guy running for president, very, very smart guy. In terms of technology, he's really a genius. So he's having an argument yesterday with Chuck Todd, my friend, who's a moron. He's a moron about gender. And Vivek made this unbelievable, you're not going to believe this, folks. Listen, pull over. Pull over. If you're driving, pull over. You ready for this? There are two genders, boys and girls. And Chuck goes, how do you know? How do you know? This is the sick, demented world we're living in. This man is making millions and millions of dollars. Millions. My friend Tim Russert, who loved me on the Imus show, he used to beat the living daylights out of me. Imus used to involve Tim in some of these bits. 
He's rolling over in his grave. He can't believe what he's hearing. Chuck Todd, how do you know? I mean, I know you want the gig. You're making millions. It's very prestigious for the left. Meet the press. But how far do you really want to go? Let me quote the title of John Katsimatidi's book. How far do you want to go? You're going to argue? What's the third one? Wow. So if you missed it, here it is, the science discussion between Chuck Todd and Vivek Ramaswamy. This is courtesy of Meet the Press on NBC. Lou Rapino, cut number one. Below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers. You're calling it that, transition. but how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know? How do you know? <laughs> are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I am. Uh, a do spectrum. you know this as a scientist? A well, there's, there's two X chromosomes. If you're a woman, an X and a Y, that means there's you're a, a lot man. of so scientific a research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm -hmm. what they're asking for is, you've got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding I, for the last I, I go 100 back years. To this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that yes. may have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, is we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it mm -hmm. is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way mm -hmm. to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, yeah. let's not create more of it. So there it is, folks. According to Vivek, the chromosomes indicate you're either a boy or a girl. And my friend Chuck Todd, who could not sound dumber, <laughs> how do you know? How do you know? The scientists say there's a spectrum. There's a boy, a girl, and a what, Chuck? And a what? So anyway, I just say, so I have more. What are they going to do at a gender reveal party from now on? Just <laughs> no blue, no pink. Now it's going to be a I rainbow going to come out. I don't know. They, they talk about uh, DeSantis and Disney. We'll get to that. They talk about where abortion becomes a form of murder. We'll get to that. And then uh, Chuck uh, says, how do, you let away, how do you let Donald Trump get away with not debating in 2024? Where was Chuck Todd when Kathy Hochul didn't want to debate Lee Zeldin? Then where was Chuck Todd when that vegetable John Fetterman didn't want to debate John, uh, Dr. Oz? And all these losers. Where was he then? Was he yelling and screaming then? I doubt it. Anyway, we got a lot more to do. I got to cover this casino story. We had Bruce Blakeman on last week, Nassau County. He really wants a casino there at the Nassau Coliseum. But it does look like my guy Steve Cohen, owner of the New York Mets, he is putting together quite a team in Queens to make sure that City Field gets a casino. And it looks like, much like Howard Cosell said about uh, John Lennon, a casino in Coney Island looks to be dead on arrival or a
the Sid Rosenberg Show right after this. You've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. When you attribute actions of another country to Jewish New Yorkers who are facing a rise in anti-Semitism, I'm not sure what else to call it. There is no other people or other people in New York City who are facing this steep rise. You can, you can talk after me, it's fine. But I am upset to hear that my colleagues cannot stand with the Jewish community as we do stand with other communities. And every time we have a press conference about attacks on other communities, we stand together. And to ignore that and to say that that is the reason that you are not voting for a resolution which just simply says we should end Jew hatred is to willfully ignore the partnerships and the friendships that we have in this body and that we are trying to make. And we are working very hard to build those bridges because we all understand what hate does to us and does to our community. Eric Dinowitz from the city council, these scumbag Democrats, these left-leaning Democrats on the city council, refusing to support End Jew Hatred Day because, well, they hate the Jews. They hate the police. They hate the Jews. Even Justin Brandon, who was on this show last week, who I've known for 23 years, who probably walks around Brooklyn telling everybody, him and I are buddies. But this, this is where it really goes over the line. And that's why my next guest is perfect. Let me read this to you. <laughs> also hard to believe, City Council. 
Are cops nice? Police are nice to some people, but they're not nice to everybody. All people can be hurt by the police. Black people and other people of color get in trouble and even killed for doing things that white people are allowed to do every day. He's on noon to one every weekday, gets big ratings all weekend long. He's the icon. He's the legend, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, who said that? That was Tiffany Caban, (laughs) the mini-me, Taoc, Olau Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and never refer to them as Democrat socialists of America. They are socialists. And they hate But they're all Democrats. But they're all Democrats. All Democrats. Right. But they really hide behind the the cover of being a Democrat. They're really socialists. And they have a manifesto, which is to destroy our city. You just indicated what some city council members would refuse to do and say, yeah, you you shouldn't be a Jew hater. Led by Shahana Hanif. Who's that now? Shahana Hanif, (laughs) who's another mini-me of AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if you live in Park Slope, home of Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, and his wife, uh, Charlene, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love for eight years. And by the way, where's the billion and a half dollars you took for the so-called program called Thrive that was supposed to help the many emotionally disturbed. Where's the money? But if you're in Park Slope, Windsor Terrace, Gowanus, Carroll Gardens, Borough Park, you got to say to yourself, Shahana Hanif would not vote for a simple resolution that say we should not be Jew haters because she hates Jews. <laughs> yeah, so where were the other, why were the other members of the city council? They should have caught up especially if they were Jews and they should have walked out and they should have said a shanda on you, you Jew hater. But no, they're too nice. This guy, oh, I'm so hurt. What is wrong with your peeps? Eric Dinowitz? Yeah, what is I don't wrong know with him. your peeps? If it was me, Adolf Heiken would have punched somebody across the face. Where's or the, you. Where's the coolions? <laughs> where's the weibos? Listen, oh, your, 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 father's, so your father's JDL, my good friend, ain't around anymore. Every Jew at 22. <laughs> Every Jew a twenty-two. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand historically. You've had enemies, your peeps, from, from all different colors, all different ethnic groups. If there's one thing the people on the far left and far right can agree on, uh, they go, "Hachoo! We hate the Jews." Everybody. I mean, it's constant. By the it's way, historic. and the one that really bothers me, and I'm, is the blacks, because you know the Italians wouldn't have the blacks. They chase them across the street of the Bell Parkway with bats in Howard Beach. The Irish wouldn't have the blacks. Who are the only people, whether it's Crown Heights or, or, or um, East New York, who are the only people that live with the black people and don't bitch and get their asses kicked every day by black people? Jews. Remember, the Rebbe, Menachem Schneerson. By the way, he's not coming back. He's not the Mashiach. He's not. But he told his peeps, the Lubavitches in Crown Heights, I said, why can't we be like the Satmar? Why can't we be like the other Hasidim who moved to Rockland County, who moved to Orange County, who moved upstate? He goes, no, 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 we're staying here. We're improving. We're not moving. And look at what a huge community they have now. But they're under attack all the time. Yeah. Because they're attacked. They live with black people. They're okay with it. They welcome it. And how do they get repaid? They get beaten up in the streets for wearing a yarmulke. By the way, that reminds me back to the riots that took place in Crown Heights. 
For 30 days and 30 nights, who was on the corner of Kingston and President patrolling, protecting the Jews, me and the guardian angels? Where was the schmuck, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer? Please. Where were the other mockers, the other Jews? They were so frightened. We don't want to take on the black people because we want them to be our friends. Wasn't that Al Sharpton? Al Slim's shady chopped, and absolutely, he, he helped start the second right. part of the riots by going outside of the precinct, the 71st precinct, with a guy named Sonny Carson. And then they marched up Kingston, and I saw him because I was on top of the Guardian Angel truck. And then they booked down a side street, and all hell broke loose on Eastern Parkway as David Dinkins was having a community meeting, of course, trying to assuage the rioters. And they picked up stones and bottles and brickbats <laughs> and threw it at the mayor. And he had to basically run in fear. Man, let me tell you something. Jews got to be tough. But for this guy, I heard him. Oh, oy vey, oy vey. I just wish people would love us. <laughs> Fine. Hey, guys, he said stand. something. Uh, well, what is this? Come on. I'm with you. You think they do that in Israel? No, no. They, they shoot you. They oh, bomb more you. More importantly, they yeah. stand up. They're tough. They are tough. But I do want to go back to uh, Al Sharpton because here's a chance for you to uh, destroy the most recent mayor, not the last one. So I get a message yesterday morning from some listener on my Instagram, or my DM, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He goes, your friend, because everybody describes Eric Adams as my friend. Of course he is. Yeah. Your friend, the mayor, is on WBLS right now. Well, of course. Saying wonderful things about Alton Maddox. Now, I'm going to guarantee you that 99.9999% of this audience has no idea who that is. But I'll tell you who that is. He was a civil rights attorney, basically Ron Kuby as a black guy, and during that whole Tawana brawling nonsense, which we know was a complete lie, complete lie, brought to you by Al Sharpton, Maddox was the one who represented him, her, I should say, and actually helped build this lie. Yet, Mayor Eric Adams yesterday extolling the virtues of this scumbag attorney who was right there standing alongside Al Sharpton and Tawana Brawley. How was that okay? Oh, and you forgot C. Vernon Mason. The Three Stooges, they went up to Poughkeepsie. They went up to Wappingis Falls. It was all a lie, Tawana Brawley. And MSNBC embraces Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Oh, they never mentioned Tawana Brawley. How come? Every time you have a National Action Network summit there at the Sheraton Hotel, Joe Biden shows up, giggles to Harris. <laughs> oh, you're so wonderful. He created such huge racial divisions. Remember, it proved to be a total lie. It ruined the life of Stephen Pagones, his family. It divided whites versus blacks. And what happened to C. Vernon Mason, the other attorney? He got thrown out, defrocked, no longer had a law license, same with Alton Maddox, thrown out, and who excelled, who did better than ever before, Al Slim Shady Sharpton. <laughs> it's almost like what MTV did yeah. for Michael Jackson when he had the thriller, and it just zoomed him to number one second and night. Could you believe this? And he never apologized for that. Never. Stephen Pagonis took him to court. He won a slander and libel suit against him. Al Slim Shady Sharpton, I'm not paying a nickel, dime, or penny. And you know who came to his rescue? Like they always do, wealthy black men. This time it was Johnny Cochran before he died of brain cancer, he paid the uh, the uh, order from the court on slander and defamation for Al Slim Shady Sharpton, and he slipped away into the darkness one more time. But you're right. Why doesn't he say that on this this station? He won't do that. Why don't you confront him? I will. About the three stooges of hate. I will, but uh, if you've noticed, 
I've now gotten three consecutive no's from the mayor and Fabian Levy. Oh. The mayor did send me a text on Friday. He said, listen, you know I love coming on your show, but oh, I've been sure, very, very sure busy. Does, yeah. But you know the last five weeks I've been very, very critical. And this story also nauseated me. I know all about Alton Maddox. Eric Adams has to stop doing that stuff. And if he thinks, too, that air tags, air tags <laughs> are going to stop the theft of cars. What is going on with my buddy here? What is wrong with these oh, people? Uh, he's having a press conference, and while people are watching the 5 o'clock news, somebody's crawling under their car, stealing their catalytic converter. <laughs> They're breaking into their Hyundai, Kalai, whatever, and driving it off to the chop shop in Hunts Point or over the outer bridge crossing from Staten Island into the belly of a cargo container ship. Next stop, oh, Serbia. Next stop, the UAE with the New York City license plates on which is considered a premium. I mean, car thefts are skyrocketing, and here he is going, oh, we're going to give you free Apple AirTags. You know, the only one who's going to use that is wives who think that their husbands have a Kumada. Of course. Right? They'll attach it <laughs> to their apparel if they and they'll already. track them. This is so dumb. But I did see something, and now you can confirm or deny this. While we both agree this is stupid, and you're right, the car thefts are going through the roof. Did I hear Noam say this morning that the rest of the crime statistics have gone down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel real safe walking the streets of New York, taking the subway. Look at that MTA supervisor, money-taking agency supervisor. This guy comes up to him, almost throws him in front of a moving train. And Eric Adams, your friend and Alvin Bragg's friend, the Turner Moose District Attorney of Manhattan, hits him with a misdemeanor charge. The guy nearly kills him. And the MTA supervisor says, this is crazy. You realize how many people are fleeing? Oh, People were saying, oh, New York City is so safe. I got to come in, see a Broadway show. Oh, New York City has returned. It's back. Half these offices are empty, Sid. Tell your friend, Corey Feldman and the rest of I'll them. Corey Zelnick. Uh, or whatever the hell his name is, who likes to do a spin. And say, <laughs> well, oh, things are getting so well, much better. He is upset about his wife. But, but to, to prove your point, it is now 720 on a Monday morning. Empty. Completely dead. Empty. I mean, it's like it, it look, almost looks, Curtis, like a movie set. We're on 3rd Avenue by Smith & Molenskis. It is dead. I don't see. I see two pedestrians, two on a workday 720 on a summer by Monday morning. By the way, morning. we received a notification. Uh-oh. That one of our fellow employees from Red Apple Media, right across the street from our studios, was assaulted. Who's this? At 7.30 in the morning. Not a member of our staff, but a member upstairs. You know, No kidding. Yes. Do I know this person? Well, I know the emotionally disturbed person who attacked him because he's always roaming up and down these streets. Hey, whatever happened to Eric Adams? Remember he had that press conference before he went to Qatar for World Cup? And he said, we're going to have police officers and mental health care experts scouring the subways. Oh, he tried. Scouring the no, streets. We have, we have plenty of police on the subways. I take it all the time. I was on Wall Street yesterday. I take oh it God. weekends during oh the week. God, I see two cops at every platform. Oh, my God. Everyone. You're a big subway. No, right. no. Hold on a second, yeah. Sid. Do I take know? more subways than you. Do you? Oh. Yes, 100%. Wait, wait I'm on the subway seven days a week. Hold Seven on, days a week, Lou. New York, Brooklyn, Lou. Lou. Yes. Oh my. I don't care what you oh. said. What Lou says. Oh I'm telling you right now, I'm on the subways more than you are. Except when you're doing your little tours oh, with oh, the Guardian Angels. Hold on. Yeah. I want you to rethink. Yeah. You take a cab home every day. I see you. I'm taking four trains. Wait a second. I see I, you I take want, a cab. I want you. Yeah. I want you to say again. Yes, I'll say it again. For your outside of your Guardian Angel tours. For your five minutes. I minute take ride. the subway. What five minutes? I got to take two trains. 
Oh, Two trains. Oh, what? Down to Battery Park. Yes, that's oh, right. It's such a shame. Wait a second. Yesterday, I got my back shaved. I had to take the one, the two, and the three. Oh, your back shaved. That's a rough train, oh, that three oh, let train. Let me tell you something. That three train's a rough train. Let me tell you something, Sid Rosenberg. You have a real tough life. Oh, I got to get my back shaved. Yeah. Did they use those big disposable it razors? It doesn't matter what they used. I was sitting there on the three train on a Sunday with a bunch of people masturbating and vomiting all over themselves, and I made it safe. Oh, hold on a second. So no. you thought it was a replay of Boogie Nights, <laughs> I heard you talking about that Boogie Nights with Wahlberg, who pulls his schlong out there. Burt Reynolds, who should have won the Academy Award for that. He should have won for that. He was brilliant. But there were two cops on my subway. Yeah, that was because the they shadow you. You know that. They shadow me. Yeah, yeah, because you got that <laughs> Apple AirTag on you. Eric Adams has the cops. Yeah, well, shadow Sid. So that, that Sid can say that cops are everywhere in the subway. By the way, you don't know anything about anything about the subway, Sid. On June 20th, all the overtime is over. You're not going to see cops in the subways any longer. So you can put out that propaganda. You can talk about how much safer the city is. Noam Layden, who doesn't even live here, right? He escapes the Jersey City up in the Heights, living next to Steve Fulop, the mayor, right? They're both in the hot tub together saying, can you, can, you, can you help me become governor of the state of New Jersey? Over my dead body, Steve Fulop. It's Cinderella. He won that election against half in the bag, Murphy. And here it is, Noam Layden. Oh, it's much safer in the city. But I got to get the hell out of here and go to the Heights in Jersey City. I love all these folks. Hey, come with me into the Bronx tonight. Crawl into the belly of the beast. Tell me how much safer you are as Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, with his $5,000 customized suits, is giving out free Apple AirTags to stop car thefts and to stop the theft of catalytic converters. That is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life. Coming from Canard which used to be the car theft capital of the world in the 60s and 70s. Oh, here we go back to Gemini Lounge. Let me upset Bo Dito, your friend, the Tesla brothers, who would not only steal a Cadillac and then take it, the VIN number's gone, they'd sell it to you, Sid, and then just for sport, they'd follow you to your gumada and steal it again and bring it back to the chop shop. What the hell does Eric Adams know about car thefts and the theft of catalytic converters? Yo, yo, don't give him no slack shit. Alton Maddox, if he's on with you Wednesday, I want to hear about Tawana Brawley. I want to hear about Al Slim Shady Sharpton, C. Vernon Mason. I want to hear about Alton Maddox, the three stooges who racially divided us and to this day have never apologized. That is who disgraciada. Ashanda and Jews, stand up and fight for right. Stop by you. I'm so upset. Oh, they don't like us. They never liked you, Jews. Be tough like they are in Israel. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
So it was about, I don't know what time it was, maybe about, um, well, I forgot the time. Maybe 4 or 5 o'clock, I don't know. And I just gotten home from getting my uh, body shaved. And the station that was on in my bedroom, the TV station, was a and E. I I don't know what Danielle was watching before, but A&E was on. And is this Saturday or Sunday? You know, I forgot already. The weekend moves so fast, but... They do these documentaries on wrestlers. Now, I haven't watched professional wrestling. Now, to me, these days, professional wrestling is Washington, D.C. It really is. Bunch of characters and choreographed and losers and liars. And that's D.C. That's professional wrestling. Even the city. Adams, Hoko, you name it. But I used to love it as a kid. I used to come home all coked up from nightclubs and watch Bob Back and walk up and down the stairs for uh, 15 minutes. Oh, it was brilliant. You know, I loved um, Ivan Putsky and and Andre the Giant and the Samoans, the Wild Samoans, and all those guys. So I happened to uh, to catch this. I was like falling asleep, and it was a whole hour on Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. And I'm not sure if you're watching wrestling now. Most of you are not, but there's a kid named Cody Rhodes, who happens to be Dusty's son. And I say this as a very heterosexual man married to a gorgeous, not good-looking, gorgeous woman. Cody Rhodes is a beautiful guy. I mean, he's got a perfect body, great face. He's wearing his hair white these days. It's kind of weird, but he is a great-looking guy. And the other brother is Dustin Rhodes, and he ain't a great-looking guy. He looks like his father, Dusty. But I watched this whole hour, and I couldn't stop watching it. All these old wrestlers... Dusty Rhodes passed away in 2015. But right after Dusty Rhodes, that documentary was done, they went to the next one. And the next one was even better. And it was an hour on the Iron Sheik. (laughs) And it brought back so many memories because they started that whole Iron Sheik thing. And Stephanie McMahon was on and Vince McMahon. What about the time when Iran had those hostages? You may have forgotten, but... Nightline, for example, with Ted Koppel, that was created to cover the hostages in Iran. And every single night, every night, there was another update on what was going on. Ayatollah Khomeini, Shah of Iran, hostages. So wrestling goes, let's create the ultimate bad guy, the guy America's going to love to hate, the Iron Sheik. And they created this guy. And he would spit on the American flag, Pooh! Poor America! Poor America! And you would burn the flag and do all this stuff and these morons. Because let's be honest. Let's be very honest. You're not going to find lower IQ than people who show up at, like, WrestleMania. People sitting at home watching Raw. I'm sorry. I know it's entertainment. I've covered it. Trust me. These are the dumbest bastards God's ever created. These are these are the American people that God has left behind. They, they just have. And they show up and they yell and scream. And they actually really believed, they really believed these fans, that the Iron Sheik was employed by the Iranian government to come here and make life miserable for the Americans. They believed it. In the meantime, this toothless bastard, he's like 90 years old now, he was, he was all jacked up on drugs. I mean, one of the most famous incidents in the Iron Sheik's career was he was having this um, this championship fight. I think it was Jim Hacksaw Dugan. 
It was the Sheik against Jim Hacksaw Dugan. And it was um, it was at Madison Square Garden. And it's about an hour before the fight. And the police are just driving up and down New York City by the garden. And uh, I guess they noticed a van or a truck. And, and what's happening inside that truck is the Sheik, who spent weeks telling everybody how much he hated Hacksaw Dugan. And Dugan, I hate the Sheik. They're in the car together, bumping lines and drinking before this death match. But the fans, they go nuts. And I must say, I felt as dumb as they are because for a good 90 minutes, I couldn't stop watching. Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, the Iron Sheik. Silly. Not even entertaining anymore because now it's gotten way too carried away. Were you ever a big wrestling guy, Lewis? By the Bob Backlund time. Yeah, me too. Like, Same age. That, that was it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Those days, that was it. And it actually, because it was so long ago, it actually looked scary because it looked like they were really... Bleeding and stuff yeah, and hitting or, each or other. It looked like, yeah. wow, this Iron yeah. Sheik. Who the heck is this guy? The last guy that I... I was actually good friends with Goldberg, an NFL player and down in Georgia, Jewish. Friends with him. But I never liked like Stone Cold, Steve Austin, even The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. I never got into that type of stuff. No, it's just the Channel Nine time. When yeah, that I was it. it. Exactly, Channel Nine. That exactly right. There you that go. Was it. It was you nailed when, it. It was Mean right. Gene Oakland. It was that, that would come on basically after a Rangers Ryler game on Channel Nine or something. It was on also uh, like six o'clock Saturday mornings. Yeah, because I would watch um, the New Zoo Review, which was a great show. Henrietta Hippo. <laughs> And then I would watch uh, the show with the uh, the Jesus show, the Latter Day Christ with the Davy, the dog. Uh... Oh yeah, got Davy and Goliath. <laughs> yeah. Oh Davy, did he fall into the well, Davy? Oh, ah. good help! I thought it was great TV. I thought it was great. And then, like you, I'd watch Bob Backlund walking up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs. And then Andre the Giant would come out, or uh, you know, one of these uh, like, losers. As long as he know. has his belt, as long as he's still the champion. <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted to know. Yeah. And I guess I still liked it, the, the early days of Hulk and Randy Macho Man Savage and those folks. But anyway, that is part of Americana. Thank God. <laughs> they still fill it up, though. WrestleMania, I think, what was it, 38 last time with Cody Rhodes? Place is packed. Packed. Now, these are not the people watching Chuck Todd and Vivek Ramaswamy yesterday. I don't think, at least. Do you? Well, that's uh, that's such a Probably assumption a on your part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a pretty good you know. call, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Vivek Ramaswamy! Throw a chair! <laughs> How great would have that been, though, if Ramaswamy would have just picked up a chair and, and just... And Chuck Todd's my friend, but he deserved the beating with a chair yesterday. He deserved it. Flip him over the ropes. They actually did discuss... You know, Bill O'Reilly just talked about Chuck Todd... About uh, Donald Trump not debating. And that actually came up with Ramaswamy... And my moronic friend Chuck Todd to meet the press yesterday. May as well play it. This is uh, cut number four. To be the party of free speech and open debate. We can't be the party said that says, I won't talk to it. I'm here talking to you on NBC. There's other candidates in this race that say they won't talk to NBC News. Ron DeSantis is one of them. But I go to college campuses where other candidates refuse to go. So I think we've got to practice what we preach. I'm in this race as a millennial, as a young person who's lived the American dream, to actually walk the walk the American dream. to free speech and open Dusty debate. Rhodes. And yes, I would like to see other Republicans rise to that occasion and do better, starting with the debate stage in our own party this fall. If Donald Trump doesn't do debates, uh, 
Will you not support him if he's the nominee? Well, shut well, up. I'm not going to let him get away with that. Donald Trump, what does I, that mean? <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to let him get away with it? He's, well, look, he can I, do what he wants to do. I don't think the other candidates, including Donald Trump, are going to relish being on that debate stage with me. But I think that the Good way God. that he showed in 2015, serious? what people gave him credit for yeah. was that he was an outsider and a disruptor. I'm the outsider in this race, and I think that if you want to be part of, like yeah. Joe Biden, an existing establishment yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't want to debate, I think what, people are what, hungry for new What blood. should the party use as leverage to force him to, to show up on the debate stage? I think it's the voters. I think it's my job and it's the job of candidates to tell voters that if you want someone sitting across the table from mm -hmm. Xi Jinping, if you want someone with the spine to take on the administrative state, mm -hmm. it's the top of my domestic agenda, you better darn well not be scared to show up on a debate stage with the new challenger. Listen, Vivek, you're a very smart guy. Don't get me wrong. Very smart guy. Donald Trump will eat your ass for lunch. You're going to eat the whole thing for lunch. Don't get too cut away with yourself when you're 1%. Smart guy. Very smart guy. Joe, much smarter than Donald Trump. But put those two men on the stage, it's going to be ugly. Going to be like a Dusty Rhodes match. Dusty Rhodes, go out there, kicks, man. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77, WABC. CNN doesn't get any ratings. You're not watching it. I know you're listening to me, which is the first thing you did right this morning. Hopefully you kissed your wife or your husband or your mom and dad first. But right now, Poppy Harlow, one of the two young ladies who hosts the mornings on CNN, now that they fired that racist Don Lemon. Poppy Harlow is talking about crime in New York. First of all, they've lied already. They talked about Kathy Hochul's New bail reform, which gives more discretion to judges, and the truth is not really. That's not really true. We had that discussion with Nicole Maliotakis on Friday. I think Mike Lawler will join us tomorrow. So what if the bad? It's not really true. But guess, if you had one guess, who Poppy Harlow is talking about crime in New York and how to combat it. I mean, if I said to you she was the worst mayor in the history of Chicago, where crime has run rampant for years, Lori Lightfoot. Poppy Harlow, a one-on-one -on -one with Lori Lightfoot discussing crime in a major city. And then CNN, whether it's Chris Lick right now or the jackass Zucker before him, they want to know why they don't get ratings. Lori Lightfoot discussing crime. On our show, attorney Arthur Idala will join us at 840 and Brooklyn-born billionaire, owner of the Florida Panthers, fresh off their amazing round one upset of the Boston Bruins, my good buddy Vinny Viola will join us at 9.05. But here's Rich Lowry, National Review. He's amazing every Monday morning at this time. Good morning, Rich. How are you? 
Yeah, good. So I guess this is the the post-mayoral career of Lori Lightfoot. She'll be a CNN contributor focused on uh, crime, fighting crime. Yeah, (laughs) CNN and MSNBC, if you failed, if you failed in your job (laughs) as a politician, but you're black or you're gay and you're a Democrat, we want you. Yeah, you know, Adam Kinzinger, when he he announced he was going to CNN, he, he tweeted, uh, you know, great to be part of the, the part of the team. You know, I was like, you know what? You've been part of the team for years. Exactly. Exactly. But hey, you got you got to congratulate Vinny for me. That that was that was a mate to be three down three one to the Bruins and win the next three two in overtime. You know, there, there are a few things I enjoy in sports more than the totally gratuitous, um, uh, irrational, can't make sense of it um, playoff uh, upset, and that's that's high on the list. Well, that's number one. What do you mean? I mean, the Bruins yeah. set the record for most wins, 65, most points in a season, 135. The Panthers barely made the playoffs. And by the way, yeah. not just one last night in overtime, but they were losing by a goal with a minute left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you, once they tied it, you had a feeling. Yeah, you know, this, yeah. this is going to go. Other way, but I, the, the reason I, I, uh, I hesitate to say the the biggest ever is just the Lightning were swept right when they when they set the the record um, in the in their their initial series. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I was watching John Cooper yesterday because the Lightning lost to Toronto this weekend, and and uh, after they were swept, they won like every cup. He's like, we're not yeah, used to right, losing yeah. in the first round. So, yeah. yeah, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been just amazing, and I will congratulate Vinny for you, the great Vinny Viola, Mister Virtue himself, Brooklyn born and. All those great years in Manhattan, now living the life down in South Florida. He'll join me at uh, 9.05. But our friend Chuck Todd, I, I, I love him. You know I do. I'll always be loyal to Chuck because a yeah. couple times in my life when people gave up on me, totally gave up on me, Chuck never did. And I can't put that aside for political beliefs. I just can't. But really, like he's gone insane. He's sitting there, Rich Lowry, yesterday when Vivek Ramaswamy says, listen, there are boys and girls. That's it. And Chuck mm-hmm. Todd goes, how do you know? Really, Chuck? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, they, it, they, they went on for, for a while on on that one. And then and then Mayorkas was on earlier. And I, I, I'm meaning, I'm, first thing I'm going to do when I get off with you is, is go through that transcript carefully. And there must have been like five lies, I assume. I, I don't know what, all the, what, what they all were. Um, it's funny you say that because as soon as he was done with Mayorkas, before he even brought on Ramaswamy, I go to the gym every Sunday morning, and I text Chuck. And every now and then he answers me back. Most times he answers me back, and I said, boy, that Mayorkas is the biggest lying piece of shizzle. (laughs) And guess what? Not a word back from Chuck Todd. It's funny you bring that up because I was watching the the words on the screen because I was in the gym, and he lied about everything, all of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Title 42 is about to end, and he thinks thinks things are going to get better. Yeah, and what was his definition of uh, the border being closed or under control? Is like we're devoting the, all the resources we can to trying to control it or something like that, which, <laughs> yeah, which isn't on. even true. They're not even doing that. No. Um, but yeah, it could be a complete uh, debacle and deluge beginning uh, May 11th, because you know these, these people on the other side of the border, they're they're, they're rational. They they might be desperate, but they follow the news and they know what the policies are and they know who's getting through and who isn't, and they're just waiting. You know, all, all the reporting suggests you, you have huge numbers of people waiting, and they're trying to launder them in through a semi-legal process through this app where you can apply, and then those just just let you in uh, no matter what pretty much. But a lot of people aren't, you know, the, the app uh, doesn't work, and there are delays. 
So uh, we're, we we could see uh, just amazing scenes down there. Mm. You know, you were on last Monday, and it was uh, after that when Joe Biden officially announced he's running again. And uh, I was talking to my son. He's only 14 years old, but he's a lot smarter than most Democrat politicians. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, and he's not really a Trump favorite either, by the way. He's not a big Trump guy. He's happy Donald's coming on with me in nine days, but he's not a huge fan. He said, Dad, explain this to me. He said, I always hear you talking about all these issues. I said, yes, son, we've got inflation. We still have supply chain issues. We've got a recession right around the corner. The feds are going to start raising interest rates again. The world is on fire. There were no wars before when Trump was in charge. Now we've got Ukraine, Russia. We're about to get China, Taiwan. North Korea is acting up again. All these things are true. None of these things are up for debate. These are all true. And he said, well, Daddy, then why would this guy run again? And why do you think he's going to win? Which I do. And I said, great questions. And you know what? For the second part, why do I think he's going to win other than there are more Democrats in the United States and a lot of people hate Donald Trump? I don't really have a smart answer. Do you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's mostly the, the latter. Um, it's just hard to see folks in the suburbs in the middle swing back towards Trump. It feels though he just has lost his people, people irrevocably. But, you know, there, there could be a severe uh, recession. Something could happen. To Biden, so I would say, you know, for whatever these percentages are worth, probably like a 30 percent chance at this juncture that Trump wins. You know, which isn't you'd prefer to be on the 70 percent part of that equation, but you know, that's like a, a good major league hitter getting uh, a base hit in any given at bat. You're not shocked, right. you know, when a 300 hitter gets right. a gets a hit. So right. um, I, I wouldn't count him out. Plus, the polling is really tight right now. You know, Trump, Trump leads a fair number of the polls against Biden. So uh, oh, actually, I saw one last week where Trump was down 22 points to Biden. And that does bring up my next question, which is I've heard people say to me that as long as Trump wins the primary and right now he's destroying DeSantis, that could change and Ron officially runs, but probably won't. Uh, the consensus is as long as Trump wins the primary, Biden will run. They have to run him because they can't beat Trump with anybody else. But if for some reason, some miracle, Trump doesn't win the primary, then the Democrats may pull Joe Biden. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I have some smart Democrat friends who think think they would do that. I, I think it might be, you know, easier said than done. But you know, Biden, yeah, he's he's their safest bet against Trump. There's just no doubt about it, and and that all goes away if it's uh, DeSantis or, in the unlikely event, someone else. Um, but you know, they they. They they have no other good matchup against Trump, right? You know, you're gonna run Kamala against them, you're gonna run Mayor Pete against them. It's just ridiculous. So they got to prop up Biden and hold their breath. And you know, God forbid, I, I don't want anything bad to happen to the guy. But Mitch McConnell, basically same age, trips, falls, hits his head, major concussion, which you know you don't want anyone to have, and is in a rehab facility for several weeks. That could happen to Joe Biden at any moment, yeah. literally at any moment. So they yeah. might think, oh, we've made this brilliant choice, and then it's September 24, and that happens to him. You know. Yeah. One of the things uh, when, I, when I start talking about this show, why I think my show particularly is so much more popular than almost every other talk show in this city. I'm talking about political talk, not sports. I might triple the ratings of everybody at both stations is because I don't treat every show like I'm finding the answers to the world. You know, I kind of take a, a different approach, more of an entertaining approach. I add the sports. I add the pop culture. And when I talk politics, I bring on smarter people like you 
to answer most of the questions I can't answer. And one of those topics, I think, is this debt ceiling. Steve Scalise is everywhere today talking about this deal that Kevin McCarthy seemingly made. But my my opinion, uh, Rich Lowry, is that 90% of the folks that are listening to me and radio all day long have no idea what the debt ceiling is and what the implications (laughs) are if, in fact, there's no deal reached by June. You think that's a fair assumption on my part? Um. Yeah, probably not the details. I might not be able to give you the, the uh, details uh, exactly myself, but you know, if you if you go past the the debt limit, you got to immediately stop running any more deficit. So you'd have to cut you know government spending by whatever it is, you know, twenty percent, thirty percent instantly, um, which which you know is going to be a huge strain. And as soon as you pass the date, the markets would would crash. So I expect what would happen here. And Kevin McCarthy, it was a major victory what he pulled off. Last week, but it's just preliminary. You know, so Republicans have a plan, a plan they actually passed through the House, and it's going to make Biden's position that he's not going to negotiate unsustainable. He's, he's going to have to sit down, and Republicans will get something. You know, they're, they're not going to be totally shut out, but that something is not going to be what they all of what they want. And then the question is whether McCarthy can go back to the well and and uh, get all those Republicans on board. Something that's disappointing. That seems unlikely. It seems more likely he'll he'll feel compelled to do it with with uh, a lot of Democratic support, and that that could uh, undermine his speakership. Those House Republicans with Kevin McCarthy seem like uh, they're taking this Hunter Biden stuff very very seriously, and uh, you could see Hunter Biden's attorneys going on the offensive, and that may indicate which Lowry there's an indictment coming soon. What do you think? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I always thought the obvious play for for them it's been delayed. Is you indict him on some ticky tacky tacky small tax charge? You know, you, you didn't file taxes for two years, or the 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 gun, you know, where he lied on the, the forms that he didn't have substance abuse problems. And they say, look, you know, uh, the the Biden Justice Department has held his own son accountable. This is a, a amazing act of of ethical integrity from this administration. Then you sweep all of the real stuff under the rug. <laughs> yeah, right. The real seems like some, some chance they're going to do that. Yeah. Are you excited about the big coronation, King Charles, 70 years since his mom coming up on Saturday? You know, I, I love the Brits, but I'm not I'm not into okay. King Charles. All right, I, I, can't, just I am now it. because Ava goes to college there, and I was just at Buckingham Palace Easter Sunday, so I'm, into, I'm not going to lie. If they're really killing it for years. And uh, Donald Trump, a lot of talk about how he said last week, I'm not going to debate. I'm up by 1,000 points. And as it is, the moderators hate me. That's true. The, uh, the press hates me. That's true. The other folks running against me. That's true. Everything he said was actually true, but what do you think about him not debating? So I don't think he can skip all of them. I think skipping all of them would be a mistake, you know. Uh, but I think skipping some of them initially is a great idea because what will happen, everyone on the stage will attack Ron DeSantis, right? We heard it from Vivek on Meet the Press yesterday. Nikki Haley took the shot over uh, Adam over Disney. Chris Christie, if he runs, is extremely harsh about DeSantis. So, uh, and I think it will kind of make the debate stage look at the look like the kiddie table because Trump isn't there, and DeSantis will have to, to – uh, um, deal with all these people trying to destroy him because they all want to be number two. So I think skipping the initial debates makes a lot of sense. You are the man. What a great segment, which I, I love having you on Mondays. Enjoy the sports uh, all good week. Luck, good luck tonight. You Thank you. The most terrifying word, two words in sports, right? Game seven. They're terrifying. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't. So if they win, you can good text luck. me. If they don't, don't uh, you dare. I'll congratulate you. You'll, you'll have been a, you know, the fifth defenseman <laughs> if they win. Don't laugh. I will get like a thousand texts tonight congratulating me. <laughs> 
like I skated in uh, New Jersey tonight. Uh, you're the best, Rich. I love you. Thank you, pal. All right. The great Rich Lowry, folks, the editor of the National Review, has stopped Alton Syndicated right here in the New York Post. Political. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me drowned What I First time in days. Can't say it's a rainy day. It is a Monday. The beautiful voice of the late, great Karen Carpenter, her brother Richard the Carpenter. It's not raining. It's actually sunny and gorgeous out right now. But that's going to last about as long as a Saturday night Justin Ellick erection, which ain't long. Wait, what happened? Hello. It's going to be raining again this afternoon and rain right through Friday. So if I were you and you can get outside right now, do it right now. Because it's not a rainy day just yet. It's going to be. It is a Monday. It was a horrible weekend, weather-wise. There's even a picture of me on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, on the story. Like, I refuse to wear hats. Because the way my head is shaped, even though I'm very handsome, I look horrible with a hat. And I don't wear hoods either. But I uh, threw the hood on yesterday. I had to go to Wall Street, Trump's building. Trump still has his building on 40 Wall Street. Because when Gabe was a little boy, we lived on Hanover Square, and Ava was there too, obviously, by Wall Street. So his medication still gets filled at that Dwayne Reed. So I left my gym on 34th and Lex, and Danielle was like, can you run and get Gabe's medication? I said, sure. I had no idea how bad the weather was, and I got blitzed. It was horrible. 
So you saw that picture, Just, of me sitting at the Wall Street station? It was terrifying, actually. I I actually looked at it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I really hope, you you know. You wouldn't mess with that guy, right? No, I was like, I I hope he's not like that in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was, like, looking. You know, I really zoomed in. I was like, he really looks angry. I was pissed. Yeah. I bought an umbrella there, and it was okay when I got home, and Danielle was sweet, and it was fine. But I was pissed. The weather was terrible. But my daughter, my little princess, my 19-year-old gorgeous Ava, did come home on Saturday from Europe. She'll be home until September, and so far we've had two good days. But it's kind of like a baseball injury. It's day to day, you know. You just don't know. Today could be horrendous. <laughs> she, you know, Ava is, she's got every one of those things that the annoying teen has. She is beautiful. She's got a big heart. She's a wonderful student, great athlete. She's all those great things, but, man, she is a teenager with a capital T. And her and Danielle every now and then make Ukraine, Russia look like the Brady Bunch. So I'm just waiting for that. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be today. Danielle's working today. so Slava Eva. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's great to have her home. I, I left the apartment this morning and, of course, had to be doubly quiet because it's already horrifying. If I wake up Danielle, I never hear the end of it. Now i got Ava there, too. And, you know, at least when I leave the bedroom with Danielle, I can shut the door. Gabe's door is already shut. Ava... Of course, we're in a small apartment till we go home next month. She's sleeping on the pull-out couch in the living room. I literally have to walk past her to get out the apartment. And I'm tiptoeing and picking up my keys. It's just, it's it's so miserable. Like, I just want to open the light and yell and leave, and I can't. i got to spend 30 minutes trying my best not to make a noise. Seriously, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, knowing you, that's uh, nearly impossible. Almost impossible, yeah. yeah. But it was cool knowing that Ava was there, Gabe was there, and Danielle, and we're a foursome once again, and we're a family, and I love that. I do love that. The uh, Talking about family, one of my dear friends, and everybody in this city loves this guy, Peter King, the great Peter King, went home yesterday. In fact, I saw a column today my friend sent me where he talked about his hospital experience and how he actually called me. It's in the paper how he called me on this show from his hospital bed. But it's not about me. He had a, a tumor in his stomach. It was malignant. It was removed, though. The doctor is very confident. All the cancer is gone. Peter says he feels great. He was sitting in his chair yesterday back in his living room. So we're happy that Peter King is home. But another dear friend of a lot of folks in this city, the former chief of police, Joe Esposito, it turns out he has a tumor, too. My friend Pat Russo told me this early Friday that Joe was rushed to the hospital. I believe it was Thursday night. It may have been Friday. And he's got a brain tumor. And you may remember, of course, that Joe Esposito just lost his beautiful wife, Chris, last year, almost a year ago. And what a tragedy that was. Now, thank God for Espo, this tumor is operable. It is operable. And he's having surgery tomorrow. Last night, he sent me a bunch of pictures. He goes, I have a brain tumor. I can't talk, but I can drink. And this psycho is smiling in his hospital bed drinking. And he goes, send this to everybody. I go, what do you mean to everybody? Send it to Rudy. Send it to Bo. Send it to everybody. So I did. And I would just uh, ask everybody out there who knows Joe Esposito, and even some of you that don't, to please say a prayer. Again, his surgery is tomorrow. You know, I sent two texts to Mayor Eric Adams. When Esposito was a chief of police, Eric Adams was on the force. 
He's the only person not to get back to me. I know he's busy out there in the streets trying to recruit New Yorkers for jobs and tags on cars and all that nonsense. But he, and, and I, sent him, I sent him two sets of texts, one last night, one Friday, nothing from Adams, nothing. So. Good luck to uh, Joe Esposito. We love you. Peter King, we're glad you're home. Ava, we're glad you're home, too. And that brings us to the political point of today's show with two more great guests coming your way. Arthur Idala, the great defense attorney, coming up at 840. My dear friend from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the owner of the Florida Panthers, Vinny Viola, coming up at 9.05. And, of course, Gnomes Nuggets coming up next segment, too. No Trump this weekend, but there was Biden. Biden at a campaign event. Actually, this was late last week. And he says the only way he can win, and only Joe Biden can say this, the only way he can win, Joe Biden, is if we elect Donald Trump. I swear he said that. This is Joe Biden, cut number five. Turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelected. We cannot win this re-election. Excuse me. We can only re-elect Donald Trump. Do I play that one more time? Uh, Noam, have you heard this? The only way we can win, he flubs it about three times and says the only way he can win is if we re-elect Donald Trump. I have not heard it. Play it again. Turn. Turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get re-elected. We cannot win this re-election. Excuse me. We can only oh, re-elect Donald Trump. <laughs> you hadn't heard that before? No, that's pretty great. I mean, you can't make that up. No, right? you can't. It's just unbelievable. Uh, this news comes to my desk. It is just uh, just came across foxnews.com. That all-out crazy, as Curtis calls her, and Curtis was great about an hour ago. AOC will not run for Senate in 2024. She will not run this comes from one of her spokespeople. I did see the RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel, on television on Sunday. And uh, she was on, I think it was Martha McCallum, who was on Fox News. And she was talking about abortion and debates and all the things Republicans have to do to make sure their road to victory in 2024 easier than it was in 2022. And, of course, we all admit now it was a very disappointing day. We lost all the big gubernatorial races. We barely held on to the House. We did not take back the Senate. It was not a very good day. Bottom line is there were people expecting 215. Huge numbers never came close. So here's Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chair on Fox News, talking yesterday about the importance of 2024 debates and how we must come together if you're a Republican. This is cut number 11. To not break our way, which has to happen if we're going to win in 2024, which usually that's what causes that red wave. And abortion was a big issue in key states like Michigan and Pennsylvania. And so the guidance we're going to give to our candidates is you have to address this head on. The Democrats spent $360 million on this, and many of our candidates across the board refused to talk about it, thinking, oh, we can just talk about the economy and ignore this big issue, and, and they can't. Yeah, and there's still people, though, advising Republicans that way, saying this issue is bad for you, it's cost you, don't do it. But you have said you got to take it head on. You want people to articulate not only the Republican position but the Democrat position. And yet so many of them, when they're forced candidates or potential candidates to talk about it, they seem to still struggle with the answer. Yeah, they're uncomfortable, but they can't be. And it's not just talk about it once. The Democrats are putting $360 million against you on TV. 
in lies. So those lies become the truth if you don't fight back. So you need to say, listen, I'm proud to be pro-life. The consensus, uh, we have to find consensus among Democrats and Republicans. Uh, let's see where the Democrats are. What abortion is a bad idea to a Democrat? Nine month, eight month, seventh month? They can't even articulate an abortion that's a bad idea. Gender selection, uh, if it's a girl, you get to abort it. Taxpayer-funded abortions for people where it's against their religious conscience. That's where Joe Biden was years ago. So I think put them on the defensive and articulate where you stand, and that's going to be the critical message we have to get out. So we played a bunch of Vivek Ramaswamy cuts already today, joining Chuck Todd. Meet the press yesterday. We talked about that ridiculous conversation where Chuck Todd asked Vivek, how do you know there's only a boy and a girl? I mean, so stupid, Chuck. We also played one about Trump skipping debates, but abortion also came up with Vivek and Chuck. Fresh off Ronna McDaniel's comments on Fox News, this is Vivek, courtesy of NBC. Lewis, cut number three. I believe in being principled on this, Chuck. I'm unapologetically pro-life, and like many in the pro-life movement, I believe that abortion is a form of murder. Murder, though, is regulated by the states, not by the federal government. I believe in the Constitution. I think Roe was wrongly decided. I've said so for a long time. This is a matter for the states, not the federal government, and I, and I stand on principle there. When does a fetus have constitutional rights? So, look, six weeks is at the end of life when you lose brain waves. That's, yeah. our, that's our moment of but death. Does, does, where in the Constitution does it say someone has constitutional rights as a fetus? It, it's not codified in the Constitution. That's right. why this is a matter for the states. But I do believe that I'm unapologetically pro-life, but one of the areas where we can do better in the pro-life mm -hmm. movement is to walk the walk. Provide an easier option for women to get to yes. I support a conversation about adoption, child care, even greater responsibility for men. I think that's how we turn this issue into being a less divisive one. It was such an embarrassing interview yesterday for Chuck Todd on just about every topic he discussed with Vivek. He sounded Democrat stupid, just Democrat stupid. And it's sad for me because I know Chuck personally, and I know he's actually a very bright guy. And like I said, Somewhere my dear friend Tim Russert is rolling over on his grave, but he needs a job, man. He's making millions and millions of dollars. He's NBC's go-to guy, and these people will do or say anything. How do I know that? Joe Scarborough, is there a bigger liar and more detestable person on television than Joe Scarborough? And for folks that don't know, not that long ago, Joe Scarborough was a Republican. That's all you need to know. Even your mayor, Eric Adams. Joe Biden's doing a great job, and Alvin Bragg is professional, and he's done, he does some good things, but lately he sounds more bad than good. He was a Republican. You can't trust these people. They'll do and or say whatever it takes to win. That's the one thing you can say you can't say about me. You may despise me. You may hate my guts. That has never happened in my career, and it never will. Gnomes Nuggets is coming up next. Famed defense attorney, Arthur Idala, Joseph Takapina, due back in court this morning for the defamation slash rape, uh, slash rape allegation against President Trump, who will join me in nine days next Wednesday, May the 10th at 8.05 a.m., and... Brooklyn-born billionaire, now the owner of the Florida Panthers. That amazing upset, maybe the biggest ever in sports history, over the Boston Bruins yesterday, Vinny Viola. He'll be here at 9.05. Keep it right here. Mondays with Sid on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
Viola set to join me at 9.05, longtime friend of mine, had me flying on the team plane for the Panthers almost a decade ago, and now they pulled off maybe the biggest upset ever in team sport. Again, not winning one game, winning four. The Panthers taking out the Boston Bruins yesterday, and he may win the Cup and the Kentucky Derby the same year because Vinny also owns Forte, which right now at 5-2, to two, is the odds-on favorite to win this Saturday at the Kentucky Derby. So we got a hockey team and a horse that are both for real. And we'll talk to the Brooklyn-born billionaire. He loves Bamantes. And I know that my friends in Williamsburg, Nunzi, all those guys, they give me a hard time all the time, Stevie up in Pearl River about Bamantes. And I went there with him, with Vinny and the Panther team, and it was good. It was good. It's okay. You know. I'd rather go to Harry's Italian and see my boy uh, Danny Potash on Gold Street. But I'm going there tomorrow night. So we'll talk to Vinny coming up, and certainly Rails, 905-840, author Idala. Today is May 1st. Do you believe it's May already? And it's sunny right now. You're like, ah, yes, sunny, May 1. Don't worry, here comes the rain again. Guess it'll be nice this weekend. Cool. Temperatures in the 60s, but we'll see sun again after this afternoon, Saturday. <laughs> Can't make it up. But it is May the 1st. Today is the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month, which is a big deal. You know, every month now we pay attention to a bunch of different diseases, disorders, um, disabilities. Last month, I think, was autism. My son, he's got dyspraxia that comes in October. Well, today marks day one of Mental Health Awareness Month. And what better way to introduce our newsman, Noam Layden. I knew you were going there. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Noam. And you couldn't be more right, by the way. I know. Way. Believe yeah. me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, buddy? All right? I'm doing okay. Good. So did you see this um, 
Tony Danza interaction with a reporter on the red carpet? Well, I, I'm aware of it. Uh, he's growing his hair too long. It's white. And uh, I'm taking Tony Darrow over Tony Danza any day of the week. Wait, in the death pool, you mean? Or what are you, what are no, you talking about? No, I just, you know, I, see, Tony's a weird guy, Danza. There are times I've been with Tony where he's been really sweet. I mean, really nice. And then there are times I'm with Tony, and he's like the biggest douchebag God ever created, ever. Like, I just, and I hate people like that. See, one of the reasons why I like, like, Francesca, for example, he was pretty much always the same, you know? I knew what to expect. And the other extreme was Chris. At least if I know what I'm going to get, I can handle that. But when you're one way one day, and the next day you're completely different, I can't stand those types of people. And at least in my experience, that has been Tony Danza. And I don't care that he was on Who's the Boss or God, who cares? Taxi. He was great on Taxi. But, you know, I mean, let's face it. Judd Hirsch, Andy Kaufman, Christopher Lloyd. You want me to keep going? Mary yeah. Lou Henner. Right. The guy that played Kanicki. What was his? Uh, Jeff um, Conaway. Conaway. I mean, 9,000 stars. Carol Kane. He was one of 9,000 people great on that show. Be like giving uh, Woody Harrelson credit for cheers. So, anyway, what do you want me to talk about? So, Tony, Tony Danza was uh, on the red carpet for this new Broadway musical, New York, New York. It's uh, That's a new one? Well, it, they're bringing it back. Right. Eliza Minnelli did that, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. So, uh, this reporter's all excited to meet him because he's on the red carpet. This guy, Rye Myers, he hosts a Broadway show. Now, let me guess. Tony wasn't nice to him. Well, yeah. You so, see? But I just tell you. So I don't even know this story. <laughs> yeah. So I just told you. Here's the moment, and you can listen. Here, how are you folks doing tonight? Well, excited. It's so great, right, to be in, uh, here at New York, New York. Absolutely. Right. We just saw John. Relax King a little. Here. You're more excited than we are. Make it easy. It's exciting. It's a great. I know. Night. I know. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, what's your um, favorite uh, Candor and Ed moment in musical theater? I just had it. I was hugging him. Isn't that something else? I just had it. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's your favorite New York City staple food item? Is it a pizza or hot dog? You know what? You got to do money. You got to come up with better questions. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Well, he's right about that. Yeah. <laughs> stupid questions. They were stupid questions, but he actually then he leans in and he slaps the reporter's face. You need to come up with better questions. Right, and he, but it, it was like a kitty slap, but it was a slap. Yeah, it was a slap. Yeah, which you should don't touch anybody, Tony. Just don't touch anybody. I know you're boxer or you're Brooklyn, blah blah. Don't touch anybody. You ever seen me touch anybody's face? Well, all the time, yeah. Remove that from the remove that from the jury, please. I'd be dreaming yeah. about if it was just a face. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got I've got cold stores popping up on my mouth. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Just don't touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well so he apologized, but it got me thinking about all these weird interactions that live reporters have when they're doing things like this. Oh yeah. So there's this reporter, uh Cynthia Izaguare. Don't know that. Um you wouldn't know her name. She's an anchor in Dallas and she was about to do a story on a climber who made it to the top of Mount Everest and he's blind. But it came out all wrong as she teased the story ahead of uh, meeting this guy live on the air. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. What? He's blind. No. So we'll hear about that. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Yeah. Did she get fired for that? She did not. She's still <laughs> on in Dallas. Well, I'm glad she didn't get yeah. fired because that would have made me angry. But that, yeah. <laughs> 
Is that the way you want to do it? He then was going to do this, but he's gay. Yeah. What? Then there were these, these two guys down in uh, Anchor, a man and a woman. This happens all the time, by the way. And it's ha- I will be honest, it's happened to me as well. Is You don't realize you're live on the air, you know, and uh, the mic's on and you're hot. And these guys were on TV. They had come back from the break, but I guess the stage manager had not signaled to them that they were back live. So they were just chatting and they were live on the air. Carolina. We kind of match. We both have red on. I know. We keep doing that. It cracks me up. I know. Um, we're... We did the purples. Yeah. I wore blue yesterday. Oh. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was like the mics were on and he was like, hey, that was really great last night. His yeah. wife was texting him. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. But <laughs> yeah. This might be, at least in my opinion, the number one um, TV mistake maybe in journalism history There's when it comes to... Was this Rivera put in the extra G on that guy's name? <laughs> no. Niger? No, because he did that. You remember yes, that, yeah, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. That was a rough one. No, this no? is this is a pretty rough one, too. This is KTVU Channel 2. It's a Fox affiliate in San Francisco Bay. It happened a number of years ago when this plane, an Asiana flight, um, crashed uh, uh, on the runway. Three people were killed. And they were racing to get the names of the pilots aboard this plane. And they were fooled by somebody who was an intern at the NTSB. They sent over the names. And instead of checking out to make sure it was real, they rushed onto the air with what they thought were the Asian names of these pilots who had crashed. Oh, this this is, is what no. it sounded like. We have new information now also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, Wee Tu Lo, Ho Lee Fuchs. Stop and it. Bang Ding Ow. Come on. The NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board Flight 214 when it crashed. That, can you imagine? <laughs> that didn't really happen. That did really That was happen. a real tape. Yeah, and about three hours later, this happened. Tonight we want to take a moment and say that we are sorry. Earlier today, during our new newscast, we misidentified the pilots in the Ashiana Airlines crash. First of all, we never read the names out loud, phonetically sounding them out. Then during our phone call to the NTSB, where the person confirmed the spellings of the names, we never asked that person to give us their position within the oh agency. <laughs> and that person ended up being an intern who was playing a prank on them. That was almost, yeah. it reminded me, that was rough, but when the guy called Peter Jennings during the OJ chase. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah was, that's great. That's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's tenses in here. <laughs> it's very tenses in here. <laughs> I've got to play that at some point today. That is another great job. Norm Layton, thank you so much. Sure. That is a great segment, as I always say, Danielle's favorite. We've got uh, who's coming up next? Arthur Idala, then Vinny Viola. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Idala. Talking about um, us being the number one rated morning show the second week of April, the numbers come out today. We did a 7.1. It was actually down 
from a 7.7, which is ridiculous, but I was in London for three days. 7.1 the first week of April, second week comes out today as we continue to put up numbers no one's ever heard of. Uh, I get a text here from Brian Sullivan. He says, can you give a congratulatory shout-out to a good friend and great fan of your show, Vinny Greeny? He was promoted on Friday to Deputy Chief of the NYPD. So congratulations to Vinny. And I just got this text from Joe Esposito, former chief of police, who I told you earlier has a brain tumor, operable, supposed to be operated on tomorrow. He says, bad news for me, operate tomorrow, cancer surgery, brain tumor, speech therapy, which you know about. So I've uh, talked about Joe Esposito a couple of times today. All right, let's get to uh, famed defense attorney, the great Arthur Idala, one of my favorite people. Stones for you, Artie, on a Monday morning. How about that? Thank you, thank you. But I also appreciated the carpenters, you know, rainy days on Monday. That was great. But I said, I'm thinking I know why your ratings may have gone down, slipped a little bit. And I don't think it has to do just with the fact that you were off for a couple of days. Yeah. The fact that you're going to go on radio and say that Chuck Todd is wrong, talking about whether there's more than a man and a woman. I mean, what's the matter with you, bro? I mean, what's up? Did you take, did you take biology of poly prep? I, I thought I, mean, I did. a lot more than men and women. I, I mean, guess. I guess. Bro, I, it's good. We are so, we are so screwed up. Man. I know. <laughs> I know. Did you see what about Megyn Kelly's hat? All the controversy with her red hat? Yeah, but it, look, wore, it looks like a Make America Great hat again. It looks like that. Yeah, but you, but you know what it says again? Well, you know what it says? I don't know what make it's women, Make women female again. What's wrong with that? That's great. It, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's targeting this whole degree of insanity that was, was going on. I, I had to go to a federal prison uh, last week in Arizona. Okay, and you know I'm used to going to jails like around here, like Rikers Island at the MDC, where they hold the people before trial. But this is a penitentiary. This is like real, real jail. This is where people get sentenced to ten years, twenty years. And I'm talking to a client in there, and what really shocked me is he said about 10% of these all-male prison is transgender. So they're all men, that these 10% are men who identify as women, but they're right in there with the whole general population. Yeah, but, but, but were they like that before? You know, you get to prison, Artie, and uh, your choices are one. Penis. That's yeah, well, it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's I, it. You know, I didn't dig. I didn't dig that deep. I, I also found out that there was a hermaphrodite in there. Uh, <laughs> no, for real. I, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. It was a human being that had a penis and a vagina. Right. Like, really? Right. How does that? How does that go down? <laughs> like, well, you know, they, they kind of keep their eye on them. I mean. Just a lot of lot of crazy stuff going on there, Sydney. That's all, but I'm happy your daughter's home from uh, from the other side of uh, the Atlantic Ocean. I'm sure that puts a big smile on. No, nah, it does. It does, and um, it's gorgeous there. We were there just about three weeks ago. We loved it. But it, it's great to have her home. We'll take her back when she goes back next time in September. We're going to take her back. Unlike last time, I put her on a plane by herself. So it's great. The four of us will be together the next four or five months. And Joe Tacopina, as you know, his daughter gave birth to a little boy, and uh, Joe became a grandfather last week. His uh, first grandson is in London, where Ava was a couple of days ago as we speak. But it's funny, I told you this, I I was talking to Joe last week, and, you know, every time he goes to court, Donald Trump goes on Truth Social, and he beats the living daylights out of Judge Kaplan. 
and Takapina's got to deal with Kaplan, and now Takapina was frustrated because everything he's asking the judge for, including some stuff that is pretty pretty obvious, the judge is like, no, nope, no, nope, can't do it. So you know that from afar down in Florida, Donald Trump is making Joe Takapina's job just about impossible. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you that it's Judge Kaplan, who I know well. I've appeared before many times. My father's appeared before many, many times. Uh, he's kind of a storied guy. Uh, he's been there over 25 years. He was appointed by the Clintons. Um, he seems to get all these high-profile cases. You know, he's a tough, tough guy. So you're already you're already going into a tough situation, and now you have your your client making things that much more difficult. I mean, I'll just give you a quick example. You remember Abe Hirschfeld, right? Yes. The New York guy. All right. Yes. Okay, so I'm trying his murder for hire case. He had a, a, a partner, and he was charged with hiring a, an Italian-American hitman for $75,000 to kill his partner. Now, it never happened. So we're at the trial, and at one point, the judge calls myself and the prosecutor up to the bench and but it, the jury's not there. But in a loud enough voice says to me, you know, Mr. Idala, do we really need to put on all of these telephone experts? Can't you just stipulate? Can't you just agree that these calls came from your client's phone so we could save a lot of time? <laughs> I said, Judge, let me ask my client. I turn around, Sid. I take two steps, and there's Abe Hirschfeld clipping his fingernails at the table, and he looks up to me and he uses the full word. He goes, Ada. F the judge, <laughs> but he uses but he uses the full right, word. the actual word. Yeah, yeah. So I I pivot. I go, uh, judge. I, I don't think that's going to work work out. And the judge <laughs> goes, so I heard. And then I go back to the table. I go, Abe, you realize even if you get convicted, this judge can give you probation. I go, you're, you're not facing. That. I go, wait. He goes, Arthur. He's a little man in a little place. He didn't care. When I paid you for this one, yep. when I paid you for this one case, he makes the whole year. F him. <laughs> so I know, I know what Zachary is feeling because yeah. you know the media was there in that case as well. So he's making Joe's heart, job that much harder. And um, look, and Kaplan also, because I spoke to people who were in the courtroom during Joe's uh, cross examination. I think they said every single objection by this woman, E. Carroll's lawyers, everyone went against Takapina. Everyone. There was not one time when the judge said, no, Mr. Takapina can ask that question. Oh, he allowed so he, he allowed every objection. He allowed everyone. Everyone. Wow. Joe, no, no, Joe, you can't ask that question. Right. No, Joe, you can't ask that question. Right. No, Joe, you can't. I have to tell you, Sid, I've been in that position. I was in that position during the Harvey Weinstein case when the judge was so against it. The media actually cracked up. Because during the direct examination of one of these women who accused Harvey Weinstein, when I'm objecting, the judge is going, overruled, overruled, (laughs) overruled. Then I stand up, and it's like the fifth question. And it's like, so how long have you lived in Brooklyn? Objection sustained. (laughs) And the whole courtroom, because it was like an innocuous question, the whole courtroom cracked up. So, you know, Joe's. I just was texting with Joe right before he went into court. You know, he's got his work cut out for him. You know, they, you have an older woman who I'm sure is appearing sympathetic to this jury, and she's saying, look, this happened. I don't care that I can't remember the details. I don't care that I didn't scream. I don't care that I didn't report it. You know, it happened. 
Yeah. And it's really going to yeah. be up to the jury as to whether yeah. they, you know, they're going for it. She actually said your client, the one you just mentioned, was the motivation yeah. for her coming yeah. forward, Harvey Weinstein. I'm sorry to bring yeah, that up, Artie, right. but. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I know, I know. She said that's what that's what made him come forward. I mean, yeah. whatever, but it's 30 years ago almost. Yeah. I mean, that's why, Sydney. that's why there are statues of limitations. Right. So that people could defend themselves. Like, hypothetically, if she would have done it two years before and, and two years after it happened, and a guy like Donald Trump has a scheduler, has a, a diary, and he could say, B.S., lady, I was, in, uh, I was in Florida or I was in this meeting all day long. I wasn't in Bergdorf Goodman. But 27 years later, Come on. how do you say, oh, I know exactly where I was? It's crazy. <laughs> right. That is crazy. So uh, the media, the left especially, is giving the governor, Kathy Hochul, a little credit in this $230 billion budget for kind of correcting bail reform in that judges now will be able to differentiate between what's good and bad and have a little more say in these trials. And I have to tell you, talking to Nicole Maliotakis on Friday and doing my own research, nothing could be further from the truth. The, the, what the media is saying about this bail reform is not really true. There's very little, actually, that Kathy Hochul did. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, no, you're correct. I mean, what... But I don't think you can really beat up on Hochul because she was trying. Apparently, according to the lefties in the assembly, the whole thing that held up the budget from being passed was Hochul was pretty hard on changing the bail reform much more drastically than it was actually changed. And they're saying a lot of that had to do with Eric Adams, like pushing her, like, I need your help. And she did. She held things up for about a month. It doesn't really seem like it was her fault. It seems like it was the left part of the assembly said, no way, no way. All they did really was the terms, the terms that were in the first bail report for reform was that judges are supposed to use the least restrictive means necessary to ensure someone is coming back to court. And they changed the language to uh, substantial control to make sure people are coming back to court. So it didn't say like, oh, now you can set bail on these different crimes mm-hmm. where that you were not able to before. It didn't say for the first time in New York history, oh, you could take ba- dangerousness into account. It didn't do any of those things. It just said you no longer have to use the least restrictive means to ensure someone's return to court. So I don't think we can throw Hochul under the bus for this one. I think we can throw the Assembly and the Senate under the bus for this one. They all suck, uh, including her. But okay. you're right. In this case, she's wait, not. Wait, wait, Sam, yeah. I got to tell you this. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I, I walked. I literally walked 20 miles this weekend between Saturday and Sunday, walking my daughter in the pouring rain, my one-and-a-half-year-old gorgeous little Ariana. And I popped in to the supermarket because my parents, my 80-something-year-old parents, needed some food. And as I'm in there, I'm on the phone with my mother, and this other asking, she wants coffee made, she wants yogurt, the Greek yogurt, you know, you know, routine yep, 11. Yep, yep. And this woman stops me. She goes, I know your voice. I was like, she goes, I listened to you on Sid. I said, oh, thank you. I said, I'm Arthur Aitala. She goes, I'm Mary Ann from Brooklyn. I go, I know your voice. No way. Yes, she lives in Bay Ridge. Yes, she lives 10 blocks. Yes. In fact, you know, she actually, she was actually talking to me two years ago, very seriously, by the way, about running for Brooklyn Borough president. She loves Brooklyn. Mary Ann from Brooklyn. I love, I love the both of you guys. Yeah, she was. We were both. Well, we both were saying the same thing about you. So awesome. Um, now, wait. I want to ask you a question. You're a subway rider. Yeah. And now, be be objective, because I'm a subway rider. 
I find things are pretty good down there these days. I, listen, it doesn't bother me. They're not good. Depends what train you take. If I'm taking the four, the five, or the six, Audi on the east side, it's a yeah. genuinely nicer clientele than the right. one or the but two or the right. three. That's right, I took correct. to 103rd and Broadway yesterday. But I'm still seeing a ton of homeless people yelling and screaming at themselves, making life miserable. Now, I'm not scared. It doesn't bother me. And I still think for the money, it's the best way to get around this city by a distance. But if you're not from here or you're young, you can be absolutely terrified on that train every day, every day. Okay, but I was just in L.A. like Thursday and Friday. You think we got a homeless problem? We're oh, not even in the elite. We're not even in the elite. I know. No, we're third. Chicago, St. Louis. Da- no, I we mean, got San them Francisco beat. I, 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 would give, I, I would say L.A. 1, San Francisco 2, New York 3. But it's kind of already like what when. Chicago? Nah, I think New York is. It's close. But it's kind of like when Eric Adams says, hey. Jim Jordan worry about Ohio, and I'm like, no, I don't live in Ohio. I don't care if it's worse in Chicago or Los Angeles. I live in New York, and even though it's not as bad as Los Angeles, it's still pretty bad. I don't want to hear other cities as an excuse as to why we're not that bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, but I'm just saying it's a national issue. It's oh, yeah. not just yeah. like when you're talking no, about no, no, the no, economy. No, 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 my friend, my friend, state, it's not it's a, a national, national issue. It is a blue state issue. Every one of those cities and states you just mentioned, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, what do they all have in common? Democrat mayors, Democrat governors. That's what it is. It's not a national issue because Ron DeSantis doesn't have that in Florida. Governor Abbott doesn't have that in Texas. It's a blue city, blue state issue. Sid, you're telling me, when was the last time you were in Miami? Last year. Okay, there's plenty of homeless. In no, there's not. No, there's not. There's some. There's not plenty. No. No. Okay. There's some. All right, well, they exist. I'm not doing head counts, but they're there. Look, let me ask some of the about crime. It's a Democrat you. issue. Okay, did you see what Eric Adams is doing? He's handing out these Apple iTags. Yeah, you know what that so means? They, that means so now when, when uh, guys are out there, gomadis, you can find them quicker. That, uh, <laughs> listen to me, bro. My father never had a cell phone. Let's leave it at that. Okay? For, yeah, no beeper, no cell phone. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure he's been pure as a driven snow to my mother, but he's like, look, I don't need Lojack on me all the time. Call the house, call the office, and I'm good. So, you know, but you're absolutely correct. Yes, if we're willing to give up our freedoms, if we're willing to give up our liberties, we will definitely be a safer society. Justice Scalia said that over and over again. The more freedoms you give up, the more liberties you give up, yep. the safer you are. So it's a balancing test. Artie, you're always great. I mean, I swear to God, I say this all the time. I missed you so much. You've been back for about a month. When are you, when are you back to Queens? When are you getting back to Queens? I think uh, if I had to guess, sometime between Memorial Day weekend and the second week of June. That's your safest bet. So Not when yet. is the Sid and Friends like beach party? That's what I want to say. Second week of June, Artie. You'll be there. Don't you worry. You'll be there. <laughs> make, right, sure you go, make sure you go to Aliotas and bring some nice pastry, okay? <laughs> Whatever you need, man. I go to I go to Villa Mate or Tasty Bakery at 13th Avenue. Oh, baby. I know that place. That place is great. Artie, you're always great, buddy. Thank you so much. Love you, pal. I love one. you more. There he is, famed defense attorney and a great radio guest, Arthur Idala. Wraps up hour number three. We start hour number four with a Brooklyn-born billionaire who owns the hockey team that may have just had the biggest upset in the history of team sport in Boston last night. The King of Williamsburg, Vinny Viola, joins me on the other side. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Reinhardt keeps it moving. Montour holds it down. Play for Kachuk. Back to the goal. Kachuk, far side for Hagee. To the top, Barkov. Barkov, put it in. They score! Brandon Montour! He snuck it short side on Swayman. And in the final minute, the Panthers have tied game seven. First one to it, Kachuk. Hit by Carlo. Puck pops in the air, lands behind the net, right at the side of the goal. They chop away at it. Kachuk keeping it alive. Carlo can't grab it. It comes to Verhage. Turns to scores! Carter Verhage! And the Panthers have eliminated the Boston Bruins! Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise. How about those Florida Panthers, baby, huh? Boston Bruins set the record this year, 65 wins. Boston Bruins set the record this year, 135 points. And as Hawk Harrelson would say, they gone. Florida Panthers, owned by a friend of mine now for a very, very long time, Brooklyn-born billionaire. Everybody loves this guy. I, tell, I say, Vinny Viola's coming on. Bo Deedle, tell him I said hello. The Brooklyn Julio boys, tell him I said hello. Nunes and the guys. Charlie Marino, tell him I said hello. Everybody loves Vinny Viola because even though he lives in Florida and now he owns the Florida Panthers, he'll forever be Brooklyn. Bomantes, we love him here in New York. And, and he may win the Stanley Cup and the Kentucky Derby in the same year. His horse, Forte, right now the morning favorite at 5-2 to two, coming up on Saturday. Here he is, my main man, Vinny Viola. Vinny, congratulations. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm, I'm, I have, I, I'm still up in the air of this. You know, that, that feeling, Sid, when you just uh, you can't touch the ground, your feet are not touching the ground. My <laughs> feet haven't touched the ground yet. So <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. What a... What a, you know, it's funny. I, you bought this team now. I can't believe, Vin, it's 10 years now since you bought this club? 10 years. 10 years, Sid. It, it, and it, and we, we knew each other before I bought the team. But I, remember tell, I remember the night I told you I bought the team. We were in Vermonties. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a ma- magnificent experience 10 yeah. years ago. And the yeah. fans, man, the fans in Florida, people should know how devout, they are around the sport of hockey. You know it because you... you well, you changed that. I'm going to be honest with you because, you know, I, I moved... I'm a Ranger fan my whole life, as you were, getting ready for a big uh, game I, seven. I, <laughs> yeah. Time. Yep. Really? And, and I came time. down there, and outside of Steve Goldstein and Randy Moeller, no one knew hockey. None of the hosts, nobody. And I'd be talking about the playoffs. They'd be like, Sid, you got to talk Dolphins. You got to talk Hurricanes. I go, no. And the Panthers, yeah. you know, Van Beesbrook had that great run. And then your buddy yeah. Cliff Viner, who you bought the club from, owned the team. Yeah. And the Yormarks were there, Michael. And, and they were okay. They were good. And then you guys came along, you and Doug Sifu and your whole crew, Matthew Caldwell, everybody. And you yeah. changed the culture. You made people in South Florida care about that hockey team. Well, uh, it was, it, all, everybody you just mentioned, it, the, 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 it's like put, putting like a, a, a little bit of a fuse to, to a – to something that was just set to go off, and and I wish you could have been there Saturday. I was, I actually was thinking about you Saturday. I said uh, it would be, we were, you. the team wouldn't, it wouldn't stop. I mean, every time Boston scored, we responded, 
And it felt like the old garden to me for the first time. Like the Panther fans were overwhelming the, the Bruins fans. And, you know, we, we're, we're a transient place. We get a lot, a lot of fans from the other teams. We're cool with that, totally cool with it. And the Panther fans now have taken over, and you could just feel it. So, you know, being a scraper, scrapper, like you and I have been our whole lives, to see I, – I am just so happy for the Florida hockey fans, yeah. the South yeah. Florida hockey yeah. fans. No, they're, they're big. They deserve it, man. They do. They're big. Yep. They stuck with us through some really wacky times as we learned the sport, you know. Because what, what is an owner really? An owner is just – a steward of this, this like sacred mantle. You and I know what it meant for us as kids to get into the garden, scalp a ticket and improve our seat, you know, get, you know, buy blue seats and wind up sitting in yellow or yeah. orange seats yep. in the old garden. Yep. You know, big those, deal. Those are yep. for big, big deal. Feel great. I mean, you know, first I want to congratulate the Bruins first class organization the Jacobs family, how they treated our staff, our team uh, on the away games, uh, my family. They're just super, super top-notch people who run a class organization. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me this morning, said, this is crazy, but you, but listen to this. The Bruins played 89, 89 games, seven-game series, 82 in the regular season. They lost 21 games, six of those 21 games, which is the Florida Panthers. That is unreal. That goes to show you just how, uh, A, overrated the regular season is, and B, how much better you guys are than people give credit. And I tell this story all the time. You mentioned Bomantis. It was Super Bowl weekend. You'd own the club a couple of years, and you went to my wife, Danielle, one night at the Lexus Club. It was still called the Lexus Club back then. And he said, hey, I'm taking shit to New York. And Danielle said to you, excuse me? Yeah, you're doing what? And he said, I'm taking it to New York. I'm going to put them on the team, the, 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 the plane with the team. And uh, we have the Devils tomorrow, the Rangers on Sunday. It was Super Bowl weekend. And she actually let me go. We went to Bomantis. We had an amazing time. But do you know the guy that I sat next to on the plane, which you allowed me to go on, which is still an amazing memory to this day, he was the head coach at the time. And tonight he'll be standing behind the Rangers bench. That was Gerard well, Gallant. Yeah. Well, let me put putting everything aside. Gerard is a he's a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a superb coach, a wonderful gentleman. Unfortunately, for us, it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to, and I know the way he wanted it to down here. I, I have to be completely candid, and I'm going to tell you on radio. I'm I got a root for my Rangers tonight. You know that. I mean, I'm. <laughs> You know, I'll always, you know, right underneath my Panthers jerseys, a range of jerseys. So what do you do when when you guys go beat Toronto, what you're going to do? You're going to beat the Maple Leafs. Sorry, Austin Matthews and John Tavares. You're going to win that. Rangers beat the Devils tonight. Then we beat Carolina. We could be possibly a Ranger-Panther Eastern Conference Finals, Vinny. That's nuts. It'd be insane. It'd be insane. You could just imagine – I mean, you just can. What am I going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to enjoy the game yep. totally as a hockey fan. And you know, listen, I, I, I live, breathe, sleep, die the Panthers. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll be a Panthers fan forever. Now it's just in my it's in my soul and my blood. But I got to tell you, I am so proud of the Rangers and. Uh, the game they played the other night was just 
Yeah. First of all, it was a classic Gerard Gallant game. They just played two, no space, absolutely no breathing room. Um, anyway, so as a fellow former Ranger fan or Ranger fan, uh, it's super exciting. Can you imagine that, Sid, if we played oh my the God. Rangers? No. That, it's funny because that, Doug Sipu once said to me, he said, I came back to New York and I contacted Doug, and he was happy for me, like you, Warren. You know, you belong in New York. You're the king. You're the best. And I and he said, but just so you know, if we ever win the Stanley Cup and we have our ticket tape parade, it won't be in the Canyon of Heroes, maybe down Calle Ocho, I don't know, down 8th Street or somewhere in Miami. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. still want you to be the Grand Marshal of the parade. And I was like, wow, I would love to do that, except, of course, if you beat the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you got to. Then you have to do it because – We'll have we'll have Bo we'll have Bo run security. For I love the parade. it. Perfect. We'll do a whole the whole Las Olas thing. But Sid, I really I really want to what I wanted what I really wanted to come on your show. One because you've been a super friend. You've supported me in this crazy adventure from day one. You gave me confidence that Thank you, you know as you have. And and number two. I, I really am here to thank our fans because they have rode this roller coaster of our ownership and they never ever backed away from us any little good thing that happened they jumped on it they emphasized it they encouraged my family to keep going and i i I can't i can't not have an interview with thanking billy zito who came in and turned around what was a let's just say less less than efficient environment Mm. and just he's really put together a great a great staff. Paul Maurice, he told Bill and I at the beginning of the year, it's going to take a little time, but when these guys get it, they're going to be unstoppable. And it just feels great for the fans. He's a great and coach. He, he was actually he, part of the uh, the, the squad, uh, the, the coaching staff that uh, was in Nashville yeah. when, when they yeah. also took out a, a President Trophy team in the first round. And he's a great coach, Paul Maurice. I mean, you got some, some great people there, Vinny Viola. So the question is, with the Panthers now on the verge of this huge second-round matchup after completing the greatest upset in the history of sport, how much really? – I mean, now what do you do about really? Saturday? Are you still excited about Saturday? Because I'm excited, I'm excited about Saturday off the charts. You know, uh, can't, I can't say enough about it. You know, uh, look, it's Mike Rapoli and I going to Kentucky, and we got the favorite. I, I don't have to say anything more. Right. But – I texted Gary Bettman last night. I'm like, Gary, please don't let my first home game be Saturday because I got to be at the Derby, and I would love to watch my team play Toronto in Florida. So we'll see what happens. Oh, you know, it's funny you say that. I remember I went to a big, the Delahoya Mayweather fight was in Vegas on a Saturday night, and a bunch of athletes had had to play earlier that day, and they flew and got to Vegas in time. And the private yeah. jets, remember the airport was like jets on top of each other to actually oh, yeah, see yeah. the fight. So there's a chance you could do both. You can win the derby with Forte and get back to South Florida in time to, for a hockey game. But he should not schedule the same night for you. He shouldn't do that. So I got I, I, I got to put a I got to put a, uh, a Hail Mary call. But we're rolling. Sid. The, the fans, the fans have done this. They've, they've made the team. They've made the team feel they're unbeatable. It's really the fans down in South you know, Florida. You know, it's funny. I, I, I hear you talk about the fans and the people in South Florida. And, again, Vinny, you're like one of the most successful, famous New Yorkers ever. You just are. 
But, you know, you went down there. I know your house took a beating, by the way, last year with the hurricane. Yeah. And you're living like yeah. – uh, you're basically living at the, at the Panthers' home ice for about six yeah. months. But you really yeah. – like, you become a real Florida guy. Like, like Vinny Viola, you're Florida. That's it. You're a Florida I guy. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we never took a vacation as a family uh, ever. My dad was a truck driver. And our vacation was going to Belmont on a Saturday as a family. That was like our vacation, you know, going to the races at Belmont. And my dad would always say, one day I'm going to buy a, I'm going to buy a house in Florida and I'm going to retire to Florida. And when I, when I started to become a little bit successful on Wall Street, it's the first thing I did. I bought him a place in Florida. Uh-huh. Anyway, he comes down. He falls in love with it. I fall in love with it in the 80s. And I kind of, like, always in the back of my mind, I had this weird feeling if I could ever, the perfect combination would be to own a sports team and live in Florida. And God has blessed me with that. So wow. You deserve it. You're such, a good, you're such a good soul. You talk about how I've been good to you without getting specific. It's nobody's business. But what you did yeah. for me and Danielle was so over-the-top nice years ago. We love you forever. And I don't understand. You don't, you don't miss the crime and the taxes and the filth and all this stuff here in new york city you like the nice weather and the cleanliness you like that uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it? yeah oh man it's oh, a nice man. place to live and now that now that the, the uh, fans like you said really have become real hockey fans they treat it because again when i started down there Vinny, all they cared about was the dolphins and the hurricanes the marlins yeah. were in the world series they didn't care then lebron james and Shaq came and the heat became a big deal big time right but now it does seem like the panthers are finally getting their deserved credit and the fans love them and i'm happy for you for that all right thank you sid uh, thank you for being my friend first of all thank you thank for you. sharing thank you for sharing in this real it's really a blessing really to have your to have an organization that you serve realize its potential and the happiness that comes from that i, yeah. I mean the, the the feeling down here it's you could just feel it already in the next morning everybody's talking about the panthers and you're right you know you really you really said it but when you look at it statistically it really is the biggest upset in the history ever, of sports ever no no one minute. game you had, I mean, you had the we yeah. beat the russians in one game you had joe yeah. namath and the jets beat the colts yeah. in one game but you guys had to yeah. win four games four we four games and we're down three to one right and uh, you know against against really the best hockey team that i watched and i watch all games you know me i'm a hockey nut so i watch all i watch any hockey te- any any hockey game I can, I can get to, they play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And, of course, we know it starts from the Jacobs family, Cam Neely, the coach, Montgomery, but Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, did you see those two guys hugging each other? Yes, yes, and And, yes. and, and the tears, yes. the tears that they shared, yeah. how, bitter, how bittersweet. So, yeah. here, as a hockey fan, I want to, I hope this, I hope, this goes far and wide. I pray, for, I pray for Patrice Bergeron. I pray he comes back and yep. gives us the, the, the gift of one more year of seeing him on the ice. He had a good a year this year. Uniform. He had a great yeah. year this year. He had a great, great year. year. So great you're the way, year. Are, are, are you going to Canada today or tomorrow? When are you flying to Toronto? I'm going to fly tomorrow. tomorrow. I'm going to fly to Toronto tomorrow. I'm going to uh, just enjoy 
a great city. I got a great couple of Italian restaurants that I love there. That Lou, <laughs> by the way, by the way, that Lou Lamorello introduced me to. Oh, is was that in right? Toronto. That's yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm so I'm gonna, you know, I'll just do my thing like I always do with my family. My, pretty much my whole family's gonna be there. Awesome. And then and then I have my whole family, all my grandchildren, six grandchildren, my three sons and their wives, Teresa and I. We're going to be at the Derby on Saturday. Oh, so beautiful. What I'm a, a very, 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 very lucky blessing oh, from Brooklyn. What a great week. Brooklyn boy going to yeah. Toronto. His team's in the second round of the playoffs. His horse is the favorite Saturday in the Kentucky Derby. Let me just say this because I know this guy. You may have heard of him. I know him. You're not going to yeah. find a bigger heart. Congratulations. Uh, let's go Rangers. Let's get a Ranger-Panther Eastern Conference Finals. Then I'll come That's down so to Florida good. and watch those games with you, okay? God bless you, my friend. Thank you. I love you, Vinny. All right. Take care. There he is, the owner of the Florida Panthers and Forte. Right now, the odds on favorite, 5 to 2 in Saturday's Kentucky Derby. Brooklyn born billionaire. What a great story. The King of Williamsburg, my friend Vinny Viola. Short break. I'm coming right back. WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Not a bad life if you can get it. He earned it. Bird Shoes a big-time company. Big time. And his Florida Panthers move on to the second round. He's got the favorite in Saturday's Kentucky Derby. He'll be in Canada tonight. Lives in a beautiful home in South Florida. The great Vinny Viola. Traffic and Joe Nolan coming up next. I do need a contestant for a SIDS take. Brought to you by my friend Pete Morgan. I'll be on a three-way text tonight with Pete and Joseph Takapina who's in court right now representing Donald Trump in this E. Jean Carroll rape-slash-defamation allegation. All that uh, coming up. So the contestant, number 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy! Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. 
It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right. Happy Monday. Your Monday morning edition of the Peerless Boilers, Sid's Take Trivia Game, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a deal in near you because they are the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick, your host for this here trivia game. Steve is out in East Islip. What's going on, steve Hey, how you doing? Thanks well, for letting me on. Yeah, well, don't mention it. Uh, you really were just the um, first person that I clicked on when we picked up the phone. So. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't really care. Yeah, congratulations but, on that. But, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with your personality, who you are as a person. I'm sure you're a great guy. Steve, but uh, yeah, you, re- you really just got lucky on, on this here Monday morning. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's go. All right. Movie Monday, movie trivia, number one. Taron Egerton played Elton John in what 2019 musical fantasy? Um, what was the um, movie called? Kingsman 2. Oh, well, no. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> no, Rocket Man would be the correct answer there. Welcome to the oh, Kingsman. Okay, he was in that one too. <laughs> yes, he was in that one. Yes, yes. And uh, Elton John, Elton John wasn't in Kingsman. No, he wasn't. <laughs> yes. All right, oh for one on the number two. <laughs> what Alfred Hitchcock directed thriller dubbed the line quote A boy's best friend is his mother. Alfred Hitchcock, say that again. I'm sorry. D. Which Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller dubbed the line, A Boy's Best Friend is His Mother? Psycho. There you go. One for two. On to number three. What movie from 1985? What movie from 1985 claimed that, quote, the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning? Back to the future. There you go. Two for three. On to number four. In Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Margot Robbie portrayed what late actress? Uh, Shannon Tate. Uh, who now? What was the first what? name? Just say uh, either Shannon or Sharon. Yeah, there you go. Give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give two answers because my name is Steve and I'm from East Coast. Very good, Steve. Three for four. On to number five. Josh Brolin and Sean Astin made their big screen debuts in what film about a group of misfit kids searching for pirate treasure? Oh, God. The Goonies. There you go. Very good showing out of you, Steve. Four for five. Get the big man in here. There you go. Hang on there, Steve. You get to hear your opponent's effort here. The great Sidney Rosenberg. A lot of people like my, um, a lot of hearts, my Instagram story, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I'm wearing my Ranger jersey. Mm-hmm. Talked about the great guest today, Vinny Viola, whoever else we had. They're all great. Yeah. Curtis Sleeva was great, which Lowry, Arthur Idala. Sure. But I talked a lot about the Rangers. You did. I've got a lot of hearts on my story. People are, like, excited about that. Nervous, excited, a bunch of emotions. Well, how there. can you not be? Well, if you're an Islander fan like Lewis, you don't care. No, you don't care at all. (laughs) But uh, that's only one-third the hockey base, if it's even that, because Rangers have most of the fans. I would say that's probably a high percentage. One-fifth, yeah. Yeah. Right. One-eighth, maybe. Maybe you're right, Lewis, yes. (laughs) So how did uh, the contestant do? He went four for five. 
How many? Four. Okay. Four, five. Go. You got to go perfect. All right. I can do it. All right. Number one, Taryn Egerton played Elton John in what 2019 musical fantasy? It sucked. It was so disappointing. Rocket Man. There you go. One for one. Which is the same nickname my friend Donald Trump, who will join us here in nine days, gave to what world leader? Uh, 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 what's his name? The guy from North Korea. Good enough. That's it. Good. That's, believe me, that's good enough. Kim Jong-un. Yep. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. What Alfred Hitchcock directed thriller dubbed the line, quote, a boy's best friend is his mother. Psycho. There you go. Played by the great Anthony Perkins. Two for two. We'll do that my mother, too, by the way. Yeah. Put Naomi up in an attic or something somewhere for a couple of years. Uh, oh. No, that sounds like a yeah. fun future. Doesn't sound cool well, at all. Noam said you can uh, freeze these people. You're going to freeze your mom? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Let her come back in 30 years and start yelling about Trump. He'll be dead. Everybody will be dead. Everybody will be dead. It'll be hilarious. Could you mind my mother in 30, 40, 40 years? Where's Trump? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which creature is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if the world's even still here in 30 years. Uh, yeah. By the way, she's home. My mom. Ava came back to our house on Saturday, and Naomi came back after three and a half months in Florida. To Kanyanga Lake yesterday. How about that? So she's home. How about him? Welcome home, Naomi. All right, Naomi. All right. On to number three. What movie from 1985 claimed that, quote, the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning? Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, um, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Michael J. Fox, yeah. who said this week you don't die from Parkinson's. There you go. You die with Parkinson's. And they made a bunch of Back to the Future. Oh, my God. Here's a, Hello, Hein. You could really hear his, his the wheels were turning. Yeah, you could hear it. Yeah. <laughs> three for three. He said, I'm not going to make 80, Michael mm. J. Fox. That's what he said? You don't die from Parkinson's, you die with it. I'm not going to make 80. That's, That's what he said. This, I, I know what he said. How old is he now? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, either way, it's said. <laughs> yeah, that is I'm it. not making 80 either, so. Well, uh, okay. I'm not even sure I'm going to come Simmer close. Simmer down. Simmer down. Simmer down. Just, just come in tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be here tomorrow. try that. Number four. In Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Margot Robbie portrayed what late actress? You know, it's funny. Emile Hirsch was in that movie. Yes, he was. And uh, three out of my six scenes in Gemini Lounge, I'm serving Emile Hirsch his drink. As I play the bartender Dracula, he plays the undercover cop Mm -hmm. that ends up uh, going after the Gambino crime family, Roy DeMeo. So he's in that movie. She plays uh, the great Sharon Tate. Was with the Manson murders. Yes, there were. Roman Polanski was not there that night, but his wife and child were killed. Really <laughs> devastating fashion. Yeah, brutal. Tex Winters was the name of the uh, guy, the uh, Manson guy. Yes, in the movie, though, his name is Rex. That's not true. Oh, his name is Tex in the movie? Yeah, it is, yes. Oh. No. <laughs> but you go with Rex. Right. Okay. Rex did coach the Jets. But, you know. Well, that's just not true. And, the way he uh, said it was like, but in the movie, his name is Rex. But here's a fun fact. That's yeah. not true. So I've already tied the game. Now I can win, right? Yes, with number five. Yeah. Josh Brolin and Sean Astin made their big screen debuts in what film about a group of misfit kids searching for pirate treasure? I'll tell you something else. Oh, okay, Doc. Rex. One of the scenes in Gemini Lounge where I'm serving Emil Hirsch a drink, who comes walking by Emil Hirsch? Robert Davi. Mm. Robert Davi was one of the stars in the movie Goonies. Oh, <laughs> Look at me. I've got 
experiences with big-time Hollywood actors. I know. Yeah. And now you're telling, like, anecdotal stories to lead Look into your me. answer. Uh, well, that time when I was with Sly Stallone. <laughs> All right, 5-4-1 today's game. We'll come back and wrap things up in a great Monday show. Excellent job by Justin mm. Ellick writing it and hosting it. We'll come back and wrap it up right after this. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. Lately something's changed, it ain't hard to define Jesse's got himself a girl and I want to make her mine And she's watching me with those eyes And she's loving with that body, I just know it And he's holding her in his arms late, late at night You know I wish that I had Jesse's girl I wish that I had Jesse's girl What can I So you're watching the game tonight, Louie. I know you don't care. You're not a fan, but you love hockey. So. Oh, be home watching? Yeah, I'll be home watching. Yeah. Is you and MJ? Why the heck is it on at 8? I know. Why is it on at 8? It's late. Um, I don't know. Unless it's an ABC game. It, must, that, it has to be. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Because yeah, I asked Sam Rosen to come on today, and he couldn't, but it must be a uh, ABC game. What's his name? You know, uh, McDonough. Sean McDonough. Right. He's good. He knows the game, but he's all right. He's yeah. Just, because every player that touches the puck, he has to tell you hasn't scored a point in the last eight games. I know. It's like it, every player. And here's a uh, yes. right. Here's a Benajon hasn't scored a point in nine games. Loses it uh, across ice, goes across to uh, uh, Hashir, and he hasn't scored a point in nineteen games. And all right, Sean, we got it. He has a streak of 12 <laughs> yeah. in a row going back to last year when the 4th of July was celebrated in May. And right now, the goaltending has not been the same since. That's what it. You, yeah, Basically, what? yes. I mean, he's good. He's, he, he, the pace is good. He knows what he's talking about. But he gets caught up in these uh, points and games. And I, it's I don't an know. an ESPN thing. All and then do uh, is... I don't love Ray Ferraro. No, oh no, no, no. I like Michael. See, I love Rosen and Micheletti. I love those guys. I love them. And then I, um, you know, I like uh, Steve Valaket. I think he's good. Henrik, I'll always love Henrik. He's the king. He's one of my favorite Rangers. He looks good. He looks good in his suit. Knows what he's talking about. But he struggles a lot. You know. And Giannone is, is fine. I I, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I was watching Killmead on, uh, was it Friday? Yeah, Friday, Brian, who filled in last Monday and Tuesday for Tucker, was filling in for Jesse Waters. And he had uh, Lawrence Jones. I like Lawrence Jones. He's good. Smart guy. Looks good. Handsome guy. Knows what's going on. But you can't have Lawrence Jones replace Tucker Carlson. I believe that's the announcement Fox News made. Lawrence Jones? You can't do that. I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but you got to get somebody. This is Tucker. Unless you just believe that no matter what, 8 o'clock on Fox News, you can put anybody in there, you're going to get ratings, then it doesn't matter. But you go from Bill O'Reilly to Tucker Carlson to Lawrence Jones? 
Am, am I nuts here, though? Or? No, you're nuts, and that uh, is also a good True. point. Yeah. So, Thank good. you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Right now, Lawrence Jones has not scored in the last 17 games. Yeah, he's scoring big now. Scoring big right now. That's a big spot. A lot of money. Uh, we're done for today. It was a uh, terrific show. I want to thank all of our guests. Curtis Sleva, which Lowry, Noam Layden, Arthur Idala, and, of course, the owner of the Fort Panthers, and the owner of Forte, the favorite in Saturday's Kentucky Derby, my dear friend Vinny Viola. We'll all be back, God willing, at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. So for my outstanding crew, the Hall of Famer Lou Rufino, Justin Ellick, and Noam Layden, enjoy your Monday. Let's go, Rangers. We'll talk at 6. Peace. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>